Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into this Tuesday edition of Sports Call Live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, and I've got Brooks Childress and Tom Peavy on the show with me today. Fun show planned. We're going to preview Auburn and Texas A&M. They battle on the hardwood at 6 o'clock tonight. Coverage begins over on WQSI FM Talk 93.9. That one will be at uh, at uh, five thirty airtime and uh, six o'clock uh, tip off in College Station. So we will preview that game. We'll kind of update you on the SEC standings as we go out uh, throughout the day today. Uh, kind of give you a refresher of where everyone stands as we hit the halfway mark and turn to the second half of conference play. And uh, we also have at 4.30 the head softball coach of Auburn University, Mickey Dean, will join us on the program today. Their season begins in Clearwater, Florida on Friday. And again, reminder, that is why we will not have a show on Friday or for the next several Fridays as Auburn softball will be right here on Tiger 95.9. And that's, uh, that's why we will not have some, some shows on Friday. A lot of double headers involved a lot of games during the show, and so we will uh, we will preview the season with Tigers head softball coach Mickey Dean. Very excited about that coming up at 4.30. And, of course, as always, birthdays and sports, nightly TV guide at the end of the show, and your phone calls on the Auburn Bank phone line at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Ryan, Tom, and Brooks with you here today we will start with you tom i hope you are well and i hope you've got everything uh, cleared out now <laughs> i think so i you would think i'm allergic to you guys y'all walk into the studio and i immediately start sneezing over here but i think i got them all out of the system now that uh i got a microphone in front of me but uh yeah doing great uh big basketball game tonight and uh it, it's an important one uh you know trying to get revenge for uh, against a team that really laid the lumber to you on your own home floor to end that home win streak. Uh, so you're looking for the revenge, but you're also just looking to bounce back uh, to try to get back into the winning ways because there's a super, super big game Saturday with college game day coming in. The 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 Crimson Tide, who is now the vaunted Crimson Tide of college basketball, coming into Neville Arena on Saturday. But Auburn can't look ahead to that. They need to take care of business against A&M, and I know we're going to discuss a lot of that. And uh, happy, happy to have Mickey Dean on the show. Uh, softball team that is trying to get themselves going back towards that national prominence. And, uh, and I think they they should be good. They're, I know they're preseason ranked this year. Um, still one of the best pitching staffs in the country. And uh, I know over the last years we've, we've just really uh, 
kind of been down on the hitting, and and I think they've got some hitters there now, and and I'm anxious to hear what Mickey Dean has to say because I'd love to see that softball team, softball team get back up to the College World Series type that we saw back just a few years ago. So, but uh, yeah, everything's good. Ready for a great show. And one of the things that we will talk about in that interview, uh, for those that don't know, Auburn is going and playing a tournament. Uh, in the month of March, around the halfway point in the season, maybe a little bit later than halfway, in Oklahoma City, uh, the site of the Women's College World Series, where they will play Northwestern, who uh, went to the Women's College World Series last year, and they will play Oklahoma, the defending national champs, a team that has won multiple national champs, uh, national championships over the last several years. Uh, Auburn will take on Oklahoma twice in OKC in the month of March. Wow. Uh, so the Tigers will be tested there. So we'll talk about that and more with head coach Mickey Dean coming up here at uh, 430. And then Brooks Childress on the show today for the first time this week. Brooks, I had a uh, great weekend with celebrating with you, sir. And uh, I hope you uh, had some positive memories of, of Knoxville besides the game, of course. But uh, good to have you on the show today. Yeah, it's uh, great to be on the show. Great to be here getting ready to talk to all of our fun callers that we have on every single day. Can't wait to talk to them. Can't wait to talk about all of our sports going on. We've been checking out some soccer action this afternoon on the TVs around the office. Uh, so that's what we've been doing here. That's uh, outside of actual work. Um, we, uh, yeah, had a great weekend. Uh, we went up to Knoxville, had some good food up there, several good places to eat. So if you're looking for, uh, anybody's making the trip to Knoxville in, a, in, in the coming, uh, any kind of tune, anytime soon, hit us up. We, we got some spots for you now. Um, the, the actual game on the court was not, you know, the best. Uh, it was reminiscent of that Northwestern basketball game earlier in the year at Cancun. It was very low scoring, very ugly basketball um, but you know, get another. Uh, you got another um, sports venue checked off the list of uh, uh, getting. You know, getting to go somewhere. Got to see the Auburn Tigers play up in Tennessee at Thompson Bowling Arena, second biggest arena in the SEC behind uh, Rupp. So really fun to get to experience that atmosphere up there. And uh, all the Tennessee fans that we were around were very nice, very gracious. They were, you know, very friendly. So uh, it was a fun time. And then. Yeah, can't wait to uh, get to this conversation with Coach Mickey Dean later uh, later on the show, previewing Auburn softball. They get started this Friday uh, right here on our station, Tiger 95.9. A lot of games this weekend. I think five games over three days for this uh, softball team to open things up down in Clearwater. So busy, busy start to the year for softball. Can't wait to hear uh, what he, uh, Mickey Dean has to say about uh, the start of the year and coming up here. And, yeah, it's going to be fun. I know he did a hit Earlier today on our sister station, 99.9 Kate FM, with our midday cafe DJ, Annie Bond. And so he's been making the media rounds in the recent days, uh, getting ready for the season. And so glad we'll be able to have the opportunity to have him on a sports call coming up. Absolutely. And I uh, want to mention a couple things. Uh, first and foremost, no, not really foremost, but uh, I remember as the show concluded yesterday, we're thinking about college basketball last night and just every day. Uh, on the TV guide, uh, had Miami and Duke. Uh, that game happened, and I just, you know, told everyone what was going to go on, and you know, that that was a, a positive, positive evening. Just, uh, just throwing out that out there. Uh, secondly, um, you know, we, as you said, Brooks, we have been monitoring this uh, this soccer match. Uh, just what we're referencing for those that don't know, and most of you probably still do not care. But uh, this this very small team named Wrexham, 
which is in the fifth tier of Wrecked England. Them, damn near killed him. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> it's a joke. Bad uh, joke. Okay. Uh, was in the is in the fifth uh, league of of English Premier Football, and they are the team that uh, Rob McElhaney and Ryan Reynolds bought that are now co-owners of that has a show on Hulu uh, called Welcome to Wrexham. And Wrexham is in the FA Cup right now. And that's kind of like the biggest like league tournament in England or, or, or in English football. And, and Wrexham is trying to pull off uh, a, a very major upset as they play Sheffield United, a team that's uh, probably going back to the Premier League next year. They're, they're in the second tier and they're in second place, so they'd be promoted up. And just the magnitude of an upset like that would be something like a a, a single A baseball team uh, in, in America beating a major league baseball team essentially um, and, and advancing into uh, a next round of a tournament. So that's that's the soccer match we're referring to, and it's uh, it's gotten a lot of publicity. I, I tell you what, there's I, I cannot recall someone of Wrexham's level making ESPN two. For an early round FA Cup uh, fixture like this, and, and so that kind of shows you the the magnitude of what they're trying to pull off and the and the buzz around them. I, I digress though. Back into uh, Auburn athletics, and uh, as the, we set things up for you t- in tonight's game, as Auburn takes on Texas A&M, uh, this situation a bit different than the midweek situation last week. Auburn had uh, played a Georgia team earlier in the year where they had lost and, and lost pretty significantly and uh, had been very disappointing and got a second chance at them and, and, and throttled them. However, there's a couple key dif- differences, obviously. Uh, first, Auburn had lost on the road at Georgia, and they had uh, then gotten the return trip home. This time, when you talk about Texas A&M, Auburn has already lost the home game. They now go to College Station uh, to try and right the wrongs of the first matchup. And then, obviously, the undertone, too, of Georgia is just not particularly good, while Texas A&M appears to be an NCAA tournament team. So with all that in mind, what are the keys to uh, fixing the situation between Auburn and Texas A&M? A a Texas A&M team that has beaten Auburn a multitude of times over the last four or five years. Auburn has not had many answers for them at all. What's it going to take uh, in College Station tonight if you're the Auburn Tigers? Score. Score more points <laughs> than score. the other team. Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, but I mean, just score more points, score more than 41. Uh, I, I, I mean, yeah. You've got to do better offensively than the 41 that you were able to put up against Tennessee. Texas A&M has a good defense, but they don't have as good of a defense as Tennessee. So you ought to be able to figure out something uh, a little better than than what you were able to put out there the last time. So yeah, you you got you got to get some scoring going. That that's just that's the big thing. You have to score. Uh, I mean, it seems pretty obvious, but. You, you've got to score more points than what you've been scoring here lately. At the end of the day, it's still a make-or-miss game, and uh, they talk about that in the NBA. It's a make-or-miss league. Um, you can be the most athletic team. You can be the most physical team. Uh, heck, you can be you know, bet, just flat-out better 
But at the end of the day, the shots still have to go in. And right. that's what leads to upsets in the NCAA tournament. It's not that all of a sudden the 15-seeded team was a better team than the two-seeded team. They kind of just found ways to make more shots. I mean, like it could be – you could dumb down basketball to such a simple – and they just made more shots than the other team. Now, there's a lot of ways to do that. I mean, you still got to run – good offense you make sure you have your shot selection is good you get out in transition if the other team is a good half court defensive team i mean there's plenty of ways to break it down but at the end of the day sometimes it is just simply about putting the ball in the basket auburn i felt like against tennessee had enough had a good enough quality of look to score well more than 43 points. Yep. I mean, it, it, they obviously had some bad shots. They, they're a college team. They, they shoot some bad shots in every game. Uh, that's not a unique problem to them, and I don't think that they do it much worse than anybody else. But against Tennessee, uh, their hook shots in the lane after hitting a couple in the first four or five minutes were non-existent. Uh, they obviously shot a, a terrible percentage from three. And they really just – it wasn't close or far for them going in. The one the one weird thing that was kind of going in for them was free throws. So they shot 73 or 74% from the foul line, which is above their season average. But they just did not put the ball in the basket. Texas A&M defended this Auburn team very well in Neville yeah. Arena. Uh, we talked about Auburn having a really good defensive second half against A&M, holding them down in the 30s after a, a 34 right after an explosive first half from Radford and company and, and A&M hit six or seven threes in the first half and did not continue that in the second half however Auburn really played the exact same second half offensively that they did first half mm -hmm. offensively and so it was just good enough to play even with A&M in the second half and they had to make up a double digit victory so uh, the, the thing I worry about is a lack of confidence for this Auburn team now after having such a, a low-scoring game. Because I, I wondered aloud last week if their three straight halves of good offensive basketball against West Virginia and then two against Georgia would translate against Tennessee. And it did not at all in any way. No. And so I want to see if they are confident going into this A&M game because this is a team they don't play well against, not this year, not last year, not most years. And they're coming off the heels of a second offensive performance that is just dreadful in every way. And so I want to see what kind of looks they generate, but how confidently they step into them. We've seen at times Katie Johnson hesitate. We've seen at times guys hesitate down low, kick it back out. So I want to see the confidence barometer of, of these guys on the heels of another awful offensive performance. The other thing here is what can they do with Radford? Uh, wow. 30 points against Auburn yeah. in Neville Arena. Auburn's defense much better last week, particularly obviously the A&M game. Can they do a job against Radford the similar to how they played Santiago Vescovi and and the rest of the Tennessee Volunteers, yeah. The Tyrese Radford, I, I you know I was mainly focusing on the offense because, uh, as you, as it showed against Tennessee, you can play some amazing defense, but if you can't score, then then it, it's it's all for naught. So, but that is important because Tyrese Radford did go for thirty. Uh, Taylor Wade, or, or Wade Taylor rather, went for fifteen. <clears throat> so, 
they need to control that. Uh, and, and those guys did some damage from three. Uh, as a team, they were seven of 19 from three. Uh, Radford was three of seven, and uh, Wade also uh, hit uh, three. So defensively, they're going to need to figure out, you know, what was working against Tennessee. You hope that same thing will work uh, against A&M. Obviously, it's different personnel with A&M between A&M and Tennessee, but if you can still have that defensive effort, if you can stay on them and just hound the mess out of them every time they get the ball, then that's going to be good for you. And and, and with the uh, that first game against A and M, I mean Radford, it seems like they would they would forget him. They would forget that he was over there, and he'd find ways to get open. Auburn's got to control that, not let him have those open shots. Uh, if they just get hot and just start hitting the contested shots, that's one thing. But I mean, when you just miss assignments and and miss your guy and you're just giving them the wide open shots that that's the stuff that you can control and you don't need to do that so offensively yes Auburn has got to they've got to play astronomically better than what they just did against Tennessee because I mean that was about as bad as you could possibly imagine uh you didn't think it could get worse than Auburn's offensive output in that Northwestern game in a win earlier but we saw just as poor of offensive output so you're not gonna you're not gonna win very many games scoring in the 40s. That's just not realistic. They did win that one against Northwestern with only 43 points, but that is a a rare rare yeah. thing to to do that. So you're gonna have to find somebody to step up and score, and you're gonna have to keep Tyrese Radford from putting another 30 spot on you. When you look at this game coming up tonight for the Tigers. Um, I, th- I think it was Jalen Williams yesterday at media availability said two things. One uh, was asked about you know Texas A and M how you know a, how they well they play Auburn, and he made, brought up the point that he's you know as long as he's been at Auburn, no matter how good or how bad Texas A and M has been, it's always been a tough game for Auburn. Whether at home or away, it has always been a game that Auburn kind of struggles with, and we saw that a couple weeks ago where Auburn went up went to face Texas A and M at home and there was a win streak on line and Auburn didn't step up to the plate and Texas A&M got the win. Uh, the other thing that Jalen Williams brought up is they were a shot away from knocking off the number two team in the country uh, up in uh, Knoxville on Saturday. No matter how good or bad, you know, the at, at times the team played, they were still a shot away from knocking off what was then the number two team in the country, now the number six team in the country. And so even though they played not the best on Saturday. They were still so close to getting a big win, and that a, a win that could have, you know, turned a, a huge, huge momentum in their favor heading into this week, and heading especially heading into later this week against uh, an Alabama team who is uh, just absolutely playing lights out. Uh, if you're Auburn, uh, you, you've got to be able to go down there, shake off what happened in Neville Arena against Texas A&M, and this is a whole different basketball game. Texas A&M's playing really good basketball right now. So you got to go down there and play uh, play your top form and come out, try to come out of there with a win. I, I think the biggest thing for Auburn tonight is the guard play. I think the guards have got to step up. I think they've got to play well against this, this physical Texas A&M team, and I think that could be one of the keys to the game is if Auburn has good guard play tonight – they could come out of College Station with a win. One of the the biggest thing, uh, you, you can say it for any basketball game, but I mean especially one on the road against a really good team. Keep it close. Yeah. Keep keep yourself in it. 
you know, whatever you have to do, you know, scratch, claw, whatever you got to do, don't let A&M run away with it like they did here. Uh, that was the big problem is they got, like you mentioned, Ryan, they got down so far that, you know, even, you know, playing even with them in the second half, they were still so far behind that they couldn't catch up. So you've got to keep it close. You cannot let them – you cannot let them go on a, you know, a 12-0 run and and really start putting some separation in there because, you know, it's it's hard enough to come back from it, as you saw, in your own home arena. It's doubly hard to try to do that on the road in, in their house. So you cannot let them get on these big runs. Auburn cannot have these stretches of five to six, seven minutes of no scoring. I mean, they 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 have these issues with that where they will go just long periods of time without even getting a, a score. Can't do that on the road against Texas A&M. Keep it close. Keep yourself within striking distance. And maybe one of those shots will finally fall in a crucial moment that you didn't get against Tennessee. Yeah, I, I think uh... – as we start to break, or as we continue to break this down, excuse me, uh, was looking at some of their numbers, uh, A&M's numbers the last few weeks, and they obviously played really well against Georgia this past Saturday, thumped them, but other than that, they've had some inefficient offensive performances as of late, too, and of course, a lot of people got stuck on the fact that A&M made think started six of nine from three against Auburn in the, right. in the first half. So they couldn't miss. But I think they still finished, and I'll double check this, like eight of 20-something. Uh, we'll double check here. Uh, in the threes, they were six of 11 in the first half and one of eight in the second so, half. So, yeah, started six of nine, finished their last ten, one of ten. And okay. so that evened out for them, but it was the timing of the six where – Auburn had gotten out to that that hot start. I think it was ten two or, or something like that. Yeah. And, and then A and M just that that was their ten or fifteen minutes there, and that's what won them the game because they got so far ahead. So absolutely uh, going to need uh, to figure out how to have a better start. Yeah. They they shot fifty eight percent from the field, fifty four percent from three in the first half, uh, and then five of six from the line, so eighty three percent from the line. So you know, great. For A and M in the first half, like I said, fifty eight percent from the field, fifty four from three. Uh, but then their second half numbers went way down, uh, and so yeah, Auburn's got to get off to a, a better start. Yeah, uh, you know, in that game, A and M was up forty five to thirty at, at the half. You can't have that on the road. Like I said, it's tough enough to dig yourself out of a hole like that at, at home, but it's really difficult to do that if you're. Uh, it, when you're there in College Station, so you got to keep it close, keep it, you know, one or two possessions to where you have a chance at the end to, hopefully, like I said, you didn't get them to fall against Tennessee this time. If you got yourself close enough, maybe you can get one of those shots to fall and pull off the upset. As we go to our first break of the show today, we're gonna have a giveaway. We've got two Auburn women's basketball tickets to this Thursday night's game against the number one South Carolina Gamecocks inside of Neville Arena. So at 334-887-3401, call right now. Two tickets to Auburn women's basketball as they host number one South Carolina. Call us right now for those two tickets. Again, 334-887-3401. We'll be right back.
want to call into the show, send us your thoughts via email. You've got mail. Sports call at thetiger.fm. Want more sports call? Check us out online at sportscallauburn.com. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Tom PV, Brooks Childress with you here today. Having a good time as we get you set for Auburn and Texas A&M coming up in two and a half hours or so. You can go seamlessly from listening to Sports Call to listening to Auburn basketball. You absolutely can. Uh, so that uh, that is highly advisable. Also want to shout out real quickly, uh, last night, uh, again, after our show, we had the uh, Beauregard High School Lady Hornets on in the area tournament, and they were successful. They won last night over the uh, Tallahassee Tigers, and that was a uh, a big one for them. So they're going to the area championship, and uh, I believe they're playing Valley at Valley tomorrow night. Uh, so uh, Thursday night, Thursday night, Thursday yes. night, and uh, so I'm we, confused on the days that it is. It is a okay. We are not going to be able to do that game because of uh, some. Uh, Auburn Auburn scheduling, but uh, we are very uh, excited for them. If they're able to win that, they will go to the uh, state tournament. They will host a, a, a sub-regional, I believe. Yeah, say so. they're, they're in the state tournament right now either the, way. Yeah, as the two. But if, yeah. they, if they win, they're going to be able to host, and hopefully we'll be, you know, if they get to the state tournament, we'll be able to get a, get a schedule worked out where we can uh, bring that game to you. If not, you know, find out where they're playing. Go and go out and support the Hornets. Absolutely, we will certainly try to do that. Of course, the busiest time of the year, though, uh, is being activated with uh, with oh, softball. Yeah. <laughs> softball starting on Friday. Baseball will start next week. Of course, men's and women's basketball continuing on. So, a lot going on here at uh, at Tiger Communications. And it got released today. Speaking of uh, the busy busiest time of the year for um, sports in the Auburn area, especially for us here on our airwaves Auburn baseball got announced today they're gonna have eight nationally televised games this year I know a lot of them are on SEC Network Plus uh, but they're gonna have eight nationally televised games seven of those are on the SEC Network they'll get one ESPNU game um, and then you know I pulled it up and two of those Ole Miss games in in May are gonna be on national television so it, it's a a lot of big games coming up for Auburn not just Auburn softball like we said are starting this week and Auburn baseball getting started next week and uh, their first national TV game's not too far away. About a month away, March 14th, Tuesday, they'll be uh, hosting Georgia Tech on the SEC Network. So a lot of baseball coming up, too. So can't wait to uh, get to that, too. Yeah, I imagine when baseball season starts here in a couple weeks, uh, you're, you're going to see the SEC on really every single <laughs> every single day and about every single time slot with all the highly ranked teams the Southeastern Conference is going to have in baseball. All right, let's go to our Auburn Bank phone line for the first time today, 334-887-3401 or toll-free 1-888-9-TIGER-9. First up on the show today, Ward Dam Steve. Retired Ward Dam Steve joins us. Steve, how are you doing? Doing really good, guys. Thanks for asking. As always, I enjoy hearing your comments. And You know, I want to thank, I don't know if you're responsible for it, Brian, but whoever takes the time and makes the time uh, to uh, do the podcast is really appreciated because I'm sure that's uh, uh, somewhat time in uh time-consuming labor-intensive. Uh, yeah, so that is predominantly uh, Brant, Brooks, and Cam uh, who do that. Uh, I, I uh, 
That, that is something that I, I kind of leave those guys to. Uh, they do a great job of it. I trust them completely. And uh, th- those those are the primary guys getting that done. Okay, well, Brooks and the rest of the guys, uh, you are very much appreciated for doing that uh, for all of us because uh, I don't have the chance at times to listen to you live, so I go in the evenings and listen to the podcast. So thank you very much for uh, uh, making that effort to do that for us. Yeah, absolutely. All right, I heard your comments, guys, and uh, all comments uh, uh, had a lot of merit to them. I want to throw some other stuff at you that uh, you haven't mentioned one guy that uh, I think may also need to be looked at tonight by our uh, guys on defense. That's Mr. Coleman. Henry Coleman, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he uh, apparently uh, did a number on his, uh, in the last game, too, didn't he? Yeah, he had an impact. Obviously, everyone was, was captivated by what Tyrese Radford ultimately did, did the 30 points. Uh, notably, uh, a, a big deal in that one. Jalen Williams did mention uh, Henry Col- Coleman in the press conference yesterday. Uh, but, but Coleman still, I mean, looking at his final numbers, you know, I think he had like seven and five against Auburn. So, you know, that's something. But, but at the same time, uh, not, not the, uh, the priority. I understand. And speaking of priorities, you know, I, I know you mentioned names Radford and Taylor. Um, here's something I hope to gosh our team will do less of tonight. And please, whatever they do, avoid falling – uh, uh, fouling Radford. Uh, I read these stats from Nathan Keene there. I said, wow, I didn't know he was this good. Apparently, he made 20 last time of 24 free throws. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that was a, well, yeah, we don't want to be fouling them, but uh, A&M is ranked third in the nation. I didn't know they was this good, guys. Did you know that? In uh, free throws made per game? Yeah, that's something uh, Tom had singled out when they, when they played Auburn the first time a couple weeks ago, that they were ranking highly in all those free throw statistics makes and attempts. They were still, I think, 40th or 50th in, in percentage, so they still shot a good percentage overall. And uh, Yeah, they're, they are known to get to the line and, and shoot them well. Yeah, well, they shot 83% against us in Neville Arena last time. Which is an and, excellent uh, percentage, yeah. Radford is unconscious. I don't know if you can do this consistently, but in that game against us, he was 11 of 12 free throws. Yeah, that's uh, over 90%. Very good. So, I don't know if he somehow manages to get uh, fouls called because he's aggressive, you know, or, or uh, if they were ticky-tack fouls. But, man, when you're 11 of 12, you know, you don't want to go fouling him. So, let me throw this at you guys. Uh, you may already know this, but I did not know this, that Coach Bruce Pearl has the worst record against any SEC team when it comes to uh, A&M. You knew that? Yeah, I mean, A&M's had his number. And why is that? He's one in four. What is it about Williams that uh, he hasn't figured out? Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, I know that Buzz Williams has been doing a great job uh, of kind of uh, adjusting to Bruce's offense. Uh, they um, have obviously, uh, as you said, uh, got a great record against it. And, I, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to figure. And some people tw- tweeted this, and I don't know if there's any credibility to it, but you guys tell me that during the game uh, people are noticing, and I don't know if they really were observing this because I'm, you know, I'm watching the game and I'm, I'm obsessed, so I'm not watching all this, but they said that Buzz Williams was calling out plays on, uh, when uh, his team was on defense when he'd be looking over – uh, to the sideline at uh, 
Bruce Pearl, who was calling out, I guess, some plays or something uh, when we were on offense, and then he was adjusting it by watching Bruce Pearl and what he was calling. Guys, is there any credibility uh, to that kind of, uh, I guess, scheming? Did you, uh, yeah. you call it Oh, yeah. No, we, we said that on the show uh, the day after the game. I, I, I watched it happen. Yeah, absolutely. We, we talked about that. And uh, he Is would, that cheating? No. No, uh, not at no, all. Not at all. Uh, I mean, that, that – and if anything, if you want to be frustrated by someone, you should be frustrated with Auburn for not adjusting their calls to masking them or, or changing their signs for them. Because, I mean, look, that that's that's perfectly reasonable. If a coach knows you well enough uh, to know what sets your call in there, then you've got to know that and adjust just there. And, and Auburn didn't do that. I think that there was a little bit less of that going on in the second half. But, but yeah, no, I watched, I watched Buzz Williams do that um, most of the game. So if you and I, who have nothing to do with the team, are observing this. Please tell me that by now somebody's brought that that to the attention of the entire coaching staff, right? Uh, I, I would assume so, and, and that would be something that would seem pretty obvious to fix. So uh, we we will definitely have to look for that tonight and, and, and see. I, I obviously will not be there uh, <laughs> out in College Station, but uh, we'll have to keep an eye on Auburn beat riders and see if that's going on again because that's something that should have been e- should be easily correctable and uh, you would certainly think that, that that should not be happening. Well, does the opt-in hold true? Uh, was Coach Pearl's staff, were they watching what Buzz Williams was doing when they were on offense and adjusting? Uh, n- not that I saw. And also you've got to know the other person's calls well enough and be confident enough for that to matter too. I mean, you can watch them do that all you want, but that, I mean – you, you, it would take you maybe all game to, to learn what everything meant and maybe even longer than that. But in the case of, of Williams to Pearl, he was very confident that whatever Pearl was calling was not changed from the last time that he'd watched tape on him or that sort of thing. And so, therefore, you know, he had the confidence that that's exactly what Auburn was trying to run. Well, uh, again, I'm throwing this at you guys because uh, just educate me. If that holds true what you're saying, then – Bruce Pearl's one in four. I thought by now, with that uh, number of games, he should have some familiarity with Buzz Williams' uh, play calling, right? Uh, you would think, but uh, if Buzz Williams changes what he calls or changes terminology or uh, runs any different scheme, or I mean, there's several ways. I mean, you can run your same exact plays but call them something different. You can run different plays and call them the same. You can run different plays and call them different things. You know, there's a lot of ways to mask that. Uh, and it's honestly very rare, to my knowledge, that, that something that, like what Buzz Williams was able to do was, again, even been able to do. I, I mean, I've, I've watched – there's some guys in college basketball that have been around forever in a day, and I have not really heard that as a problem. I mean, you know, there, I mean plenty of guys. You, you can name them, guys that have coached 30 and 40 years and not really heard of this stuff. So – I, I just think that Auburn maybe just became unaware uh, of the possibility of that existing, maybe a little lax, didn't think that that was something that could happen, and then Buzz Williams took advantage of it. And also, does that lead me to conclude Pearl's a little bit too predictable? I mean, in this sense, yeah. I mean, look, when you – when you, I, I, I'm not insinuating that Pearl needs to call different stuff, but what I am insinuating is that he needs to – to change the terminology of it for his players from time to time and change the signals. You don't, if you run good stuff 
And Bruce Pearl obviously has over the course of his career. He's been an incredibly successful coach here at Auburn and obviously at Tennessee as well. Then you don't have to change what you run, but you do need to change the way that it's called or the terminology or how you initiate the play. There's a lot of things that you can do. You could start with a different ball handler calling that play or, or, or starting with the ball. I mean, there's I, there's so many iterations of things that that's why it's kind of frustrating in, in this, this way because literally changing anything should have been able to avoid what happened. Okay. All right. So uh, with that, guys, I've seen some computer model projections. Uh, and they're just not in our favor. Uh, one of them is Force Line. They're giving us a 30% chance of uh, winning the game. So I guess that means if you play the, the play, play 10 times A&M, we might win three of them, right? Right. That's how that, uh, that would break down. Okay. So hopefully one of those tonight. And uh, another one gave us, I think, only 19% chance of winning. That was, a, I think, um, RPI. Yeah. Uh, that's what they had. And uh, team rankings actually gave us a surprisingly 47% uh, chance of uh, winning the game. So uh, the total is 138.5, I think, yes, what I saw. And then I saw the line has actually gone down to minus 2.5. So, guys, uh, what's, what's your, what was your best sense right now? Uh, is this even going to be a game that you see is winnable? I mean, is, is their talent level that much better? I don't think it is. Uh, but what, what, what's your take on tonight's game, guys? To me, I think it's a very important game to win because I didn't know this. Uh, we only have, I think, one quad one game on the road that we won. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, obviously, those on the, on the road are, are very tough to, to come by. Yeah, no, this game is definitely winnable for Auburn. Uh, that I, I think that 30% – uh, is, is probably about where I would put it at. I, I do not see this as 47% or whatever. I'll, that's basically a toss-up, and, and I don't think it's that. I also don't think it's 18% because I don't think a and significantly better than Auburn. Uh, I, I think these teams are very similar in caliber, but the things that are working against Auburn tonight are a and had their number, and then, of course, this is in College Station. So uh, I do favor a and but Auburn's got a chance in this game. The way they defended against Tennessee overall have been uh, a good defensive team. They did a good job against A&M in the second half. We're talking about one bad half of defensive basketball for Auburn uh, in that game. They ran a lot of zone in the second half, so I'll be interested to see if they play zone. But but if they play defense like they did in the second half in Neville Arena, they're going to have an opportunity to win the game. It's can they hit enough shots? Can they hit timely shots? Uh, and just be able to string together offense on the road. Okay. And, uh, you know, uh, of course, uh, I'll be watching the game. Uh, I also just read uh, this afternoon from Nathan King that Dylan Cardwell is traveling with the team. Yes. Uh, did you know that? Yes, saw that. Uh, did not did not mention that on the show yesterday, and I should have, but did see it around 5 o'clock or so, uh, maybe, that, that he, has, he did board the plane. My only concern is I hope the refs, hadn't caught wind of that and, you know, call, uh, call for traveling. Oh, well, I was going to say that uh, Cardwell wa- walked onto the plane without any fouls and walked off with two fouls uh, <laughs> because well, he's uh, gotten a lot of fouls this year in short time. I hope that he, that means he is ready to play because I wouldn't want to see him just being a little bit ready to play because I don't think, you know, I'd rather see him be complete 100% for the Alabama game. Sure, sure. All right. Uh, with that said, guys, there's an excellent article about Jason Campbell being – 
uh, on the broadcast we've taken Sam White's uh, place. Uh, that was really a, a good a good read there. And uh, the uh, Fridays until the uh, end of the February, I understand, are going to be Thursdays, right? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, again, uh, as we we mentioned, uh, Auburn softball comes on Tiger 95.9 primarily if there's three sporting events on the same day then it could come on 99.9 Kate but for the most part uh it's going to be right here 95.9 which means uh that when they have double headers like they do for the first three or four weekends of the season uh they're going to be playing at like three and six o'clock or, or one and three thirty and so that's going to be right during our show time and and so we will not have a Friday shows for a few weeks okay and this is the actual the real start of the uh, regular season then Yes, Friday uh, they will start with St. John's, and and that will uh, that will be the first pitch of the regular season. Okay, uh, did you mention maybe I forgot? Are any of the softball games going to be televised? Uh, televised, I think we'd have to go through them uh, this weekend. I believe every game is going to be on uh, this website for free called Game Changer. Game Changer, yeah, That's a website. Okay, yeah, it's it's going to be on Game Changer, and and it should uh, you you may have to sign up, and but it should I think it's a free I I think it's a free sign up. Don't quote me on that, but it is going to be I think everything's going to be on Game Changer this weekend for Auburn softball. Okay, but not any of the ESPN or uh, SEC network channels though. Uh, not probably not until you hit conference play at least. Okay, all right, guys. Hey. Thank you very much again for always uh, giving me some time, and uh, that time is very much appreciated. So uh, I'll uh, be watching the game tonight, and uh, hopefully maybe these guys might have found a way to get some confidence over this A&M team. So have a safe afternoon and evening, guys, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Until then, War Eagle, guys. War Eagle, then, is retired Ward AM Steve joining us on our Auburn Bank phone line. Always appreciate Steve uh, for joining the conversation and give us a call. and listening each and every day, whether it's live or on the Sports Call podcast, which is presented by Coca-Cola. Just a couple minutes left here in hour number one. Uh, we have talked a good bit about Auburn and A&M. We're going to branch it out a little bit uh, coming up and talk about the SEC as a whole in hour number two. And again, uh, reminder at 4.30, Auburn head softball coach Mickey Dean to preview this 2023 season. Really like the prospects of this team. We'll get into that a little bit later in the show as well. Uh, so a lot still to do here. Uh, also got a little bit uh, uh, of Super Bowl talk coming up in the coming days. I think Thursday we're going to do a, a Super Bowl prop bet show uh, where we go through uh, all these fun prop bets about National Anthem and and all these coin things. toss, yeah. But who wins the coin toss? People can just bet on absolutely yeah. anything, so that's going to come up a little bit later. So a lot to do later in this week, but just two or three minutes left here uh, in this first hour. Want to ha- want to bring up something fun and silly and unrelated to really sports in general here. Um, we've talked about Bucky's on this show before. Yeah, Tom. I went to Bucky's for the first time this okay. past weekend. I've uh, still never been to a Bucky's. Okay, so our our good friend Justin Ferguson of the program, who's in College Station, so why he's not with us today, uh, tweeted out about a half hour ago that he had a, uh, acquired a Bucky's hat that was uh, finally big enough to fit his quote gigantic head. His words, not mine. I, I don't believe him to have a gigantic head, but that's uh, that's what Ferg said. And it, it jolted the memory. We did go to the Bucky's Thursday night. And um, 
Of course, one coming very, very near here in the near future. And that place is insane. I mean, that place is insane. We went in the, the Calhoun, Georgia Bucky's, and I was over just overwhelmed. Again, the Al Michaels, that's overwhelming. Just completely right. insane how big that was. Um, got a brisket sandwich. I've heard the brisket's amazing. It was solid. Uh, got uh, some birthday cake fudge. Okay. That was quite good. It was a lot, though. I mean, if, if the square had me just needing, <laughs> needing cleansement afterwards. Right. Cleansing. And then uh, also had some habanero uh, pork rinds. Okay. And those were quite good. Not too spicy. Just, I was habanero is normally pretty spicy. Yeah, not not too spicy in this in this okay. case, but uh, really solid. My only complaint was that I was going to get, uh, I was not going to get a fountain drink. I was just going to get a regular soda, for, a bottled soda, like a, a regular convenience store. And they only had Coke products, so no Mountain Dew, Tom. No Mountain Dew. What? I was going to get a Code Red Mountain Dew. No no Mountain Dew. And apparently, uh, everyone is a fountain drink uh, person there. Right. Because the bottled soda, I was going to, I opted for an RC Cola instead. Okay. It had expired three months ago. <laughs> which, you know, it's not going to poison you, but it's also not going to taste worth a damn. Right. And then I looked uh, at a vanilla Coke. It had expired two months ago. So apparently, just no one buys the <laughs> buys the bottled soda there. Uh, was not thrilled about that. Also, did not have Gatorade slash Powerade, so did not have sports drinks. So I just went to a normal Dr Pepper in one of their extremely large fountain drink cups. Like, right. But little disappointed in that. But the f- the amount of items in that store, I could go on for days about how much was in that store. Sure. So it's something to look forward to. Uh, one opens uh, yeah, a mile down the road from us. And Brooks can sat here and acted like he absolutely hated the place. I do. And he still acts like he hates the place. But I'm telling you what, Tom, he walked out of there with just a whole pile uh, of stuff. I was hungry. I mean, well, he, he had several things there. Uh, he he did not. He was not bashful. His snuggle buddy at night is a beaver. It's, it's not, a little. No, it's a stuff. No, it's a stuffed no, Bucky's beaver. No, that is his snuggle buddy. I mean, no, we all know. It. No, absolutely not. Yeah. So I'm just saying, Brooks. <laughs> I think you. I Listen, think, I can. I cannot like the establishment, but enjoy the food that comes from it. See, that seems counterintuitive, though. <laughs> if, if they if they have good things, why are they all bad? Why are they just not? I like. I know you can have gripes with them, but that doesn't make them all bad. Just eh. makes them, you know, maybe just less good. I just okay or something. I don't know. I'm just saying. I I, I think there's a little bit uh, underlying uh, enjoyment from Brooks on on Bucky's. Is all I'm gonna say at the end of the day. But that was a, an experience, and it's an experience coming to Auburn. In the very near future. Out of time for hour number one. In hour number two, again, more talk in the SEC and college basketball. And a chat with Auburn softball head coach Mickey Dean coming up in hour number two. Stay tuned. More sports call after this.
One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Kicks to Koulibaly. Head fake, drive, steps back, three. Got it. Off the window and it falls. Auburn women's basketball's exclusive radio home is FM Talk 93.9. Graves whips it right side. AC with a three. Yes. Tune in all season long as this rebuilt roster looks to make some noise in the SEC and make it back to the postseason. Coverage begins 15 minutes before every game. Koulibaly rips down the rebound with the right hand. Koulibaly untouched to the lane. Right hand finishing in. And a foul. Auburn women's basketball lives all season long on FM Talk 93.9. Brought to you locally by TK's Convenience Stores, Southeast Land Group, and Southern Union State Community College. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Hour number two getting underway right now, Tiger 95.9. This is the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, and Brooke Shoulders coming to you live from our studios on South College Street. Beautiful day today. Uh, tomorrow will be a little bit more cloudy, rain moving in Wednesday night into Thursday. Uh, Just th- when it started getting nice and pretty. Got to yeah. bring the rain back. Well, and then it, cold weather right behind it. Right. And to be fair, I mean, February, it's really not time to break out the, the spring yet. No. I mean, I, I know it's Alabama, but technically that should be happening in March, not in February. Uh, but nevertheless, okay, Brooks, you booed that, actually. So let me let me target you here. All right. Do you boo rain or warmth in February more? Ooh, that's a great question. Because you like four seasons. I do like all four seasons. Um, probably warmth. Probably, the, probably more warm. I would be more warmth in uh, in February than rain. Because you know, rain at least it can be a uh, it can be, um, it can be cool and rainy. But if it's warm and rainy and or just warm in in February, it's it's not fun. Not great. See. I I've just I, I boo I boo the warm because uh, a I like cold weather. It's supposed to be cold in the winter. Right now it's still winter. It is way too daggum early to be busting out shorts and tank tops. No, still well, supposed to have sweatshirts and jackets on in February. You see, the good news though is like it's not it's not on a sliding scale. So just because it gets warm in February does not mean that you get a fifteen degree warmer. July, just because you get above a well above average February. See what I'm saying? So just because we're having like 70 and 75 tomorrow doesn't mean that instead of 95 in July you get like 110. I say that it's gonna be one. one it's gonna be like Phoenix, and I apologize. Yeah. Except Phoenix, but with the uh, humidity. So uh, I, I'm just gonna stop while I'm only dug a semi large hole. Uh, Auburn trying not to dig a large hole in the SEC standings. They. Currently in a tie for fourth place 
in the SEC. Let's break down some of the Southeastern Conference action. Uh, there are four more games tonight. None of the ranked teams are involved. That's because there's only two ranked teams in the conference right now. There's a lot of teams that are like between the 30th and 45th best teams like in the net and in the country. You look at Texas A&M, you look at Auburn, you look at Kentucky, you look at Missouri, Arkansas. All those teams still have good chances of making the NCAA tournament, but they're just not amounting to top 25 teams at the moment. Meanwhile, Alabama at number three, Tennessee at number six. So let's look at the league as a whole. Alabama with a two-game lead in the conference now at 10-0. Tied for second is Tennessee and Texas A&M at 8-2. Obviously, Auburn sandwiched in between those two teams right now as far as the schedule, having just played the Vols, about to play the Aggies. Auburn and Kentucky are 7-3 in league play. They are tied for fourth. Again, top four seeds get the double bye in the SEC tournament. Florida is 6-4, and four, having a surprisingly good conference play. They're only 13-10 and 10 overall, really no realistic chance to make the NCAA tournament, but 6-4 and four in SEC play. And then Missouri and Arkansas, 5-5 five and five in the league, right, right in the middle, uh, despite being what I feel are two NCAA tournament teams, maybe not what they could have been, especially for Arkansas's point of view, but... Five and five for both Arkansas and Missouri. Four and six for both Vanderbilt and Georgia. Three and seven for Mississippi State, who's actually going on a mini win streak. They've won three in a row. They're up to 15 and eight, and they're on the bubble all of a sudden. And then Ole Miss, LSU, and South Carolina uh, will not be playing postseason basketball this year, <laughs> other than one, probably one, maybe two SEC tournament games. Ole Miss, LSU, and South Carolina all one and nine in the SEC. <laughs> Ole Miss, South Carolina are below 500 overall in the year. They are having the quote Tony Barbie season. They are nine and 14 and eight and 15 overall. What stands out to you guys about the league so far? Any teams that you're liking maybe a little bit more than their record, or, or liking less than their record? Just what stands out to you about the SEC? Uh, a lot of bad offense, uh, really across the board. Uh, I mean, that's one thing that I've noticed. And uh, that's why you don't see as many ranked teams right now. Uh, obviously, Alabama is playing at a very, very high level. But we also watch them get their brains beat out by Oklahoma. Now, in the conference, they're just they're running across everybody. So, they're good. And, but outside of that, I mean, the offense has been rough uh, for a lot of teams. And uh, that's the one thing I've noticed. Uh, but obviously, Kentucky has kind of figured out some things. And, you know, it's one of those, like, here come the Wildcat type deals, and they're going to be dangerous. Uh, I still think Auburn can be dangerous, uh, especially with some of these games at home. I, I'm not putting past Auburn to beat Alabama and Tennessee in Neville Arena. Now, winning on the road is going to be a whole different beast, but, again, obviously the, the crowds did not bother Auburn. They, they were right there and, you know, very well could have, should have, would have beat Tennessee – uh, in Thompson Bowling, so, but I, I I feel I still have every bit of confidence in Auburn to get some of these wins at Neville Arena, um, but and then you know that backside of the conference is just bad basketball. Like you said, you compared it to Tony Barbie. I mean, the backside of the league is really really bad. So I, I I'm I'm telling you, watch out for Kentucky. There, once they figured it out, you knew that they have the all that talent. 
that those top recruiting class are going to get. They're they're not going to be dormant forever, uh, and and they've kind of started figuring some figuring some things out. And so I I expect Kentucky to be a very dangerous team once postseason rolls around. Um, you know, obviously Alabama is the cream of the crop in the SEC. Eleven and zero at home, ten and zero in conference play, 20 and three overall. Uh, Tennessee, Tennessee is you know they're they're a team that is good. But they've got some clunkers in them, and we saw it against Florida. We almost saw it against Auburn. I mean, we we kind of did see it against Auburn, but Auburn just had a little bit of more uh, more of a clunker that day too. Uh, so they're they're a team that uh, you know you get them on the right day, you can beat them. And we saw Florida do that earlier this week. We saw uh, Kentucky do it when Kentucky hadn't quite figured it out yet uh, a few weeks ago. Um, Texas A and M, they they seem to be figuring things out. I feel like. You know, you get into conference play a little bit more. You get down the stretch here to the end of February, early March. I think you could see them slip a little bit here, uh, especially when they, you know, they face off against, you know, an Alabama team or uh, Tennessee later down the stretch. Um, Kentucky, I still, there's still something. I, I still am not convinced that they fully figured it out. They, they've been playing better as of late. But I feel like you could you have the potential that they could still you know falter a little bit down the stretch and lose a couple more games in in conference play and slip down and stay in the middle of that that ranking there. Florida, they're just they're a weird team. They're thirteen and ten overall. They're six and four in conference play. They've beaten you know they beat Tennessee last week. They uh, they gave Auburn a run for their money earlier in the year. Uh, but they're just, you know, they're hanging around there. They're hanging around. They, they could see them, you know, I could, I could see them falling down to the bottom half of the league by the end of this thing. I could also see them, you know, putting things together and moving up, you know, one or two spots here, maybe get a, you know, get to that fifth spot in the SEC, maybe get, maybe get to that fourth spot in the SEC if they really figured things out. I don't think they're getting much further than that. Uh, and then Arkansas, I'm really surprised at how how they've played this year. They're only five and five in conference play, and uh, Eric Musselman, you know, that was a team that coming into the this year, everyone's like, well, watch out for those the Hogs with Eric Musselman, and they really haven't, you know, we we've watched out for them, and we oh. we haven't seen them come by yet. They're still <laughs> five and five in the conference play, sixteen and seven overall. And I'll tell you a team that I think is playing better than their record says, but they, you know, they just need a little bit more talent is Vanderbilt. They're four and six in conference play. They've uh, they gave Alabama a run the other, you know a couple weeks ago. I, I think that if they had a you know just a little bit more talent on their their roster, I think that they could be making some more splashes. Uh, I really really like their coaching, uh, but you know I, I think that I think they play better than their record says, but they just don't have the talent to win basketball wait, did, games. Wait, did you, Vandy gave Alabama a run? Alabama beat them by fifty seven points in Vanderbilt. Do they play better at Coleman or something? Do they play them twice? They played them twice. Hold on. Oh. I just I know Alabama just beat them by fifty seven right after the uh right after Bama got beat by Oklahoma. Yeah, they they did lose one oh one to what, forty four, but it was seventy eight to sixty six up in Nashville. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, when I say just beat I meant a few weeks ago. I know I, got you. I know they, they lost Big okay. time over the weekend. I didn't even realize they had already played. Yeah, they, this they played them twice. Okay. Uh, they also, you know, played Tennessee seventy-eight to sixty-six or seventy-seven to sixty-eight uh, earlier this year. That was at Thompson Bowling Arena. They only lost to Missouri earlier this year, eighty-five to eighty-two. They they were able to you know beat Arkansas. They beat uh, Georgia. They lost to A and M seventy-two to sixty-six. I you know 
I think they they if they had a little bit more talent outside of that one huge blowout, they've yeah. actually been pretty nip and tuck with some of these. Yeah, teams. they beat yeah. uh, and this is no you know this isn't impressive, but they did beat Ole Miss over the weekend, seventy four to seventy one. They've got Tennessee coming to their place tomorrow. Uh, like I said, if they had a little bit more talent on their roster, I think they could you know pull an upset here. But they just don't have the talent to win these basketball games. But I think their coaching they they they're playing uh, better than their than what they. Uh, their record shows. If Auburn had a little more talent, they would be better on offense. <laughs> a little more shooting. <laughs> it's so, coming. It's on the way. You just got to. It's going to take ba- it a year or two. Bear, with, year, bear yeah. with it for a little bit. So when I look at the, the league thus far, uh, Kentucky has been trending up. Uh, they've won uh, a couple in a row overall, but that, that one loss was to Kansas uh, in the. Uh, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Otherwise, they've actually won, I think, six conference games in a row. Uh, They went to Tennessee and won, beat Georgia, beat Texas A&M, beat Vanderbilt by 16 on the road, beat Ole Miss, and uh, beat Florida. So Kentucky has won six in a row in the SEC. They have completely turned around their season from what was looking like it was going off the tracks as a, a team that could miss the NCAA tournament. I think it's interesting that uh, Texas A&M uh, is still kind of on the bubble, despite being 16 and seven overall, eight and two in the SEC, tied for second, is still a bubble team. And Steve brought this up a couple times with us, and, I, and I'm I'm starting to trend in that direction now, where maybe the SEC just is a little bit down this year. Uh, there is a couple of great teams at the top. But there's not kind of like that tiered uh, drop-off that there usually is, where there's one or two teams that are, are Final Four potential. There's uh, a couple teams that are top 25, and then there's a couple more teams that are solid tournament, then a couple bubble teams. It's really uh, two really, really good teams, and then a bunch of teams that are just decent that are going to make the tournament but probably not going to make noise in the tournament, and then bubble. There's, there's kind of lacking that second tier of teams in the in the conference and we'll see if Kentucky gets the momentum to, to start to get up there having won six in a row uh, in in league play but uh, after Alabama and Tennessee you're not really seeing a clear third a game like Auburn and A&M could help decide that sort of thing uh, and a game like tonight when Kentucky plays Arkansas uh, could decide that sort of thing I think that's an interesting one tonight but uh, right now, I, I think that really you're just looking at two really good teams. And, and look, even Tennessee, you can poke holes at. And th- that's the thing with college basketball is everyone plays 30 or 35 of these. They're going to have a few bad ones, everyone. Uh, you mentioned the Alabama to Oklahoma game, uh, which, which Alabama got thumped in. But then Alabama turned around and thumped some teams since. I mean, that's, that's just kind of how it goes where – Everyone loses a couple games. Purdue lost last weekend. Didn't didn't lose number one. I, I personally don't think they should have lost number one, uh, and, and I think that was the correct call. But just to give you more input there, I mean, you, you lose a game, usually you drop, and they didn't because other teams have had their bad games that have been worse than maybe just a, a five-point uh, loss on the road. So uh, that sort of thing, that's just kind of college basketball for you. Let's go to the Auburn Bank phone line, 334-887-34. And locally or toll-free, one late nine, Tiger 9. Next up on the show today, Anthony from Auburn. Anthony joins the program. Anthony, how are you doing? 
Doing good. And you guys? Doing well. I'm going to go ahead and get my pick in for Saturday. I know it's a little early, but I'm going to go ahead and get it in. The way I've seen Alabama play and highlights and scores have been posted on social media and all across ESPN and anybody that had cared to uh, post them, I think they just run, come out here and run roughshod, just clean Auburn's uh, clock down here. I mean, like that a great Alaskan shootout that used to be so famous back in the 80s and 90s. I think it's going to be like that. Just going to shoot them out, shoot the lights out, and run them out of their own arena. All right. Do you have a score for that? I think Alabama, let's see. I say Alabama score 100 and Auburn score about 50. So I think they beat them by 50 points. All right. Well, Anthony, if, if, they are, if you're wrong there, you told me yesterday that you were a man of your word and would own up to, to being wrong if, if that happened. And I'm not saying Alabama won't win, but <laughs> I, by 50, I'm, I'm going to take the bet they're not going to win by 50. Well, if they don't, I, I call in and say it didn't happen, you know. First thing Monday or Tuesday, whenever I can get you. But uh, sure. I believe they're going to do that. You know, they they done LSU. Let's see who they did. I think they did Vanderbilt like that. I think they did LSU like that. And they did uh, another team or two, uh, 49, 48, 50 points, uh, something like that. Uh, you know, I, I think they can do Auburn like that, too. I don't see no reason why they can't. I think Auburn's a little different caliber than a couple of those teams, though. Uh, LSU and Vanderbilt are towards the, the bottom of the league. And, and they did that to Vanderbilt in Tuscaloosa, not at Vanderbilt. In fact, we just well, talked well, it about it. don't matter. It, it, was it, a cl- it was actually a pretty close game in in, in uh, Nashville. Well, it don't matter what happened. It got done. The thing is that they did it, you know, and they, and they can come True. out here and do it. So, uh, you know, you know, it could be one of them things. Auburn don't score no more than 40 points. You know, we could have run into something like that, you know. Could be. You know, oh, Auburn, it's possible. Al- Alabama's had some good games this year. I mean, they took care of a good Kentucky team. Uh, I can't remember what the score was, but I think it beat them at least by 25 or 28 points, if I'm not mistaken, maybe even 30. But I know they put it on them pretty good, and people were hollering and crying. And, and Alabama moving up in the rankings uh, had been number one at one time, dropped it two and then four, whatnot, whatever they had now. But I tell you, I believe they're going to spank Auburn and give them the spanking they really deserve and, and give Bruce Pearl all the fists that he can possibly have. He's going to pull his hair out come Saturday. All he'll right. Be bald, he'll be bald headed. I guarantee you, Saturday, that game over with it, and man will be bald headed and blowing like a big bull out there on the court. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll keep it in mind. Right. We'll keep it in mind just in case Auburn does uh, what Oklahoma did to Bama just recently beat their well, brakes off. Uh, Auburn ain't got the kid. They don't have the talent to do that like that. Hey, they're better. Auburn's better than uh, Oklahoma. I can tell nah, you that. They may be, but uh, Bama's going to take care and go ahead and get another notch in the belt, get another Southeast Conference victory. March on to that regular season uh, conference. Uh, excuse me, regular season conference title, and going in the conference tournament. Take care of that. Just go ahead and wipe it all up. All right, gentlemen, we're gonna see. We will see indeed. Thanks for the call today, Anthony. All right. That is Anthony calling from Auburn on our Auburn Bank phone line. Not bashful there about what he thinks will happen on Saturday. Of course, we will start to preview that game tomorrow after this Auburn and Texas A&M. Game happens. Uh, I, I certainly can see Alabama winning. I can see Auburn winning uh, on Saturday. I cannot see either team winning by 50 points. No. Uh, but uh, there you go. That's what, what Anthony has for us. We need to take our first break of hour number two. When we come back, birthdays and sports, and we'll get you set for Mickey Dean, the head softball coach of Auburn University. Stay tuned. More sports call after the break. Call crew wants to hear from you. 
give us a phone call at 334-887-3401. I'm Britt Bowen, voice of Auburn women's basketball and Auburn softball. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress. Just a couple minutes till we chat with Mickey Dean, the Auburn softball head coach. Before we do that, though, let's get to today's birthdays in sports. It's time for today's birthdays in sports. Birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. Today we've got Matthew Stafford, who turns 35, current quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams, selected First overall in the 2009 NFL Draft by the Detroit Lions out of Georgia. Eh. Super Bowl 56 champion, 2011 NFL Comeback Player of the Year, 2014 Pro Bowler. Member of the Detroit Lions all-time team, holds NFL record for most fourth-quarter comebacks in a season with eight. Became the first player in NFL history to complete 60% or more of his passes in every game in a season in 2015. While at Georgia, Stafford was 2008 first-team All-American, 2008 second team all sec if i'm reading that right he was second team all conference but first team all american so who was tebow first team all sec that year then in 08 feels like it yeah maybe but they just gave stafford first team all american interesting just just saying there matthew stafford turns 35 today tim bowens turns 50 former nfl defensive tackle for the miami dolphins selected 20th overall in the 1994 nfl draft by the dolphins out of ole miss Howdy toddy. 1994 NFL Defensive Rookie of the Year, two-time Pro Bowler, and 1994 Pro Football Writers Association All-Rookie Team. Tim Bowens turns 50 today. Steve Nash turns 49, former NBA point guard, selected 15th overall in the 1996 NBA Draft by the Phoenix Suns out of Santa Clara. Let's go Mustangs. Two-time NBA MVP, eight-time NBA All-Star, three-time All-NBA first-teamer, two-time All-NBA second-teamer, two-time All-NBA third-teamer, fifth in the NBA, or excuse me, five-time NBA assist leader, Four-time 50-40-90 club. It's 50% from the floor, 40% from three, and 90% from the foul line. Member of the Phoenix Suns Ring of Honor. Member of the NBA's 75th anniversary team. Also played for the Dallas Mavericks and Los Angeles Lakers, where he injured himself carrying in groceries. His jersey number 11, (laughs) that was not on the sheet, by the way. Number 11 retired by the Santa Clara I have the name here. There was a... I would like to issue yeah. a, a correction. It's the Broncos. Yeah, there Broncos. You go. Santa Clara Broncos. I thought that's what I thought. I, I was like... I look, I gave him a look. I was like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> I saw... I In my mind, I saw the horse logo, and I immediately went Mustangs. Shout out to SMU, though. But uh, Steve Nash turns 49 today. And Juwan Howard turns 50, current head coach of the Michigan Wolverines men's, ba- men's basketball team and former NBA power forward, selected fifth overall... In the 1994 NBA Draft by the Washington Bullets out of Michigan. Go Big Blue. There it is. There it is. As a player, Howard was a two-time NBA champion, 1996 NBA All-Star, 1996 All-NBA third-teamer, 95 All-Rookie second team, also played for the Dallas Mavericks, Denver Nuggets, Orlando Magic, Houston Rockets, Charlotte Bobcats, Portland Trailblazers, and Miami Heat. As a coach, Howard was 2021 AP Coach of the Year, 2021 Sporting News Coach of the Year, and Big Ten Regular Season Champion. Uh, also hit somebody in the uh, line, in the handshake line, 
and uh, it was part of this. Fi- I forgot that happened. That was this year too, wasn't it? Well, yeah, last college basketball season. I, well, it would have been 2022, early 2022, yeah. or or late 21. Man. But uh, yeah. is it is it go blue or go big blue? I think you could do both. Oh, I think the sign says go big blue. Yeah, John Howard turns 50 though. Is, is that what they say, or is it? Or don't don't they have like something else like? Something of their fight song, or is the, or they just say go big, go blue? That is a great question. I'm not a I'd, I'd consult a Michigan fan. Anyway, mm. those are birthdays in sports presented by Max Credit Union. I might have to look that up. Uh, that is something to do in the break, but we do need to take our next commercial break because on the other side, Mickey Dean joins us, the head softball coach of Auburn University. He'll have a chat with us in just a moment. Stay tuned for that. This is the Tuesday edition of Sports Call. You're listening to the multi-time Abbey Award-winning Sports Call. Follow Sports Call on Twitter at Sports Call AU. Like us on Facebook at Sports Call AU. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress with you here today. And we are pleased now to go to the Auburn Bank phone line. And joining us now is the head softball coach of Auburn University, Coach Mickey Dean. Coach, we appreciate the time. And it's here. It's time for another year of Auburn softball. We're very excited about it, and I'm sure you are too. What goes through your mind in the days leading up to the season? Well, War Eagle, and uh, thanks for having us on the show. Uh, What goes right now? We're, uh, we're really working a lot on defense, to be quite honest. Uh, you know, uh, we have conversations each day with our team about how individualized, really, that hitting and pitching is. But defense is about uh, a team uh, and, and uh, a team trying to be one. And so that's really been our focus, uh, especially last week and this week, is uh, making sure that we're in unison uh, and working as one on defense. And then, of course, we spent a lot of time uh, in January really working on the mental part of the game. Uh, you know, this is such a uh, – offensively especially, it's such a game of, of uh, failure. <laughs> uh, you know, most successful people are, are successful 35 40% of the time. So we've really worked hard on just uh, just flushing things and, and moving to the next pitch. Play the next pitch. Play the next pitch. And uh, so those are the things we've been working on. And, Coach, uh, with this Clearwater Invitational coming up, this is a place that uh, your team has gone to uh, several times over the years. Coach, am I just sensing that, that the team enjoys a good beach trip to start the season, a good, a good way to start playing some softball, but enjoy, enjoy a little beach on the side? Well, to be honest with you, we do use it uh, to really kickstart our season. And we do uh, some team functions, to be quite honest. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to play softball. It's a, it's a, it's a business trip that's mixed with uh, really becoming family. And, uh, you know, we, we do a dinner cruise uh, while we're there. And we invite the families 
and extended families to join us on that cruise. We usually get about 100 to 120 people. And then, uh, and then we'll do a little beach excursion where we'll uh, have dinner on the beach and invite the families down. And uh, it's just a bonding time. Uh, it's a bonding time. Um, and then, you know, game time we're, we're focused in. It's a business trip. But we're trying to we're trying to work on a couple of things for on that trip, and it really makes for a nice trip. It does, Coach. I want to stay on the the topic of the schedule because that you know everybody's looking forward to this year. You start off in Clearwater, as you just talked about. Then you get a couple tournaments at home at Jane B. Moore Field, and then once after you hit conference play, you've got a big tournament coming up here in the middle of March, where you head out to OKC, where you play the likes of Northwestern and Oklahoma and Weber State. What went into putting together this schedule for this year? Well, you know, it's about our midway point of the season. Uh, it's our spring break weekend, uh, and it's 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 a couple of things. One, it's going to Oklahoma City. Uh, it's being on that field, and it's really a desire to get back there this year. Uh, we you know we know we get to go there in March, and we're trying to create that burning desire to get back there uh, in late May and June. Uh, the second thing is is that uh, it's going to be a very challenging uh, tournament. You know, you're playing two teams that are probably going to be ranked in the top five or top ten. They were both in the World Series last year. And uh, it's going to be a great gauge uh, midseason of where we are and who we are. So we wanted to create that challenge we have. Uh, and then you have Weber State, who, who's a very good softball team, very good softball program. So it's going to be a great challenge. It's uh, it's one that we needed to embrace. And uh, like I said, it's going to hopefully fuel us a little bit uh, there in midseason. And, Coach, this is a team that returns a lot from last season. There's going to be a lot of familiar names up and down the lineup and in the circle for you. Uh, But before we get to some of those upperclassmen and some of those players that have been around for a while, uh, take us through some of the new players on this team, Coach, that you feel might make an impact uh, early on and that fans should be very aware of. Well, you know, when it comes to newcomers, you're looking uh, to fill some some areas. that we felt we wanted to fill. One of those areas was pitching. Uh, we felt at the end of the season last year, due to injuries, uh, we were a little short-staffed. And so we wanted to make sure that we we were able to expand that pitching uh, staff. And we did so with uh, Annabelle Wydra and uh, Isis Trisbeck. Uh Both of those players also play other positions and have a – Pretty good track record with the bat, and um, so we were able to fill some void there that uh, that we know we felt we needed to fill, but also uh, really expand in our options, uh, and and we were able to do that with with, with, with those two sophomores, and then uh, our freshmen. Um, you know, we got we had a pretty good class come in. We had uh, Emma Rolfe who uh, had an unbelievable high school and travel ball career. She's a hard thrower. She's a great kid. Uh, She loves to learn. And, you know, uh, I look forward to getting her out there against against our opponents and and see how she handles that. And then, uh, of course, you have Axe Milanowski, Alexis, 
who was uh, all everything in high school, uh, really hits the ball hard, and has a really good glove. Uh, you know, uh, at, at the corners, she's very solid defensively and a very smart player, uh, understands the game extremely well. Uh, Millie Roberts, who plays third base, uh, and this past weekend we did some scrimmaging, had a great weekend. I think she hit like three home runs. And I've seen a lot of uh, refreshment against our pitching staff. So uh, I, I'm, I think that's, that's everyone. I'm trying to think uh, if there are any other. I hope I'm not leaving anyone out. Oh, um, you have um, uh Kaylin McCrary, who uh, transferred in from Tennessee. She's a Tennessee kid. But she actually was in school here last year, and I give her a lot of credit. Uh, I didn't know if I'd see her in the fall, and uh, sure enough, she was there. And uh, she's been she's been doing a great job. We actually moved her to the outfield, and she's done a tremendous job defensively forcing the outfield. And her bat, uh, I spoke with her travel ball coach several times, and he says, I really think she's going to be able to help you offensively. And uh, I... I, I I believe him now. Uh, she swings a very good bat. And then, Coach, we, we mentioned you got a lot of uh, talented upperclassmen coming back. Uh, specifically, you've got a really good pitcher in Maddie Pinta and a really good bat in Bree Ellis. And it seems like every single day there's another article coming out where one of the two has been named to some watch list or some, some preseason All-America list. What's it feel like going into the season with, uh, with those two players specifically on your team ready to go? Well, you know, it, it, it's it's what they've done, what they did last year, and um, and, and they were able to perform as a freshman and as a sophomore in a really tough conf- conference and at a national level, and I think that that confidence will carry over uh, because they know they can do it, and I think with them, I feel with them getting the recognition. It just shows to them that they do have the ability to play at a very high level in a very tough conference in a really tough game. And, and hopefully they're able to carry that, that confidence forward. You know, we talk to our players all the time about being present, playing in the present and not worrying about the past so much, not worrying about the future, but playing in the present. And I think if you can get those two to do that, um, I think they'll only improve upon their performance from last year. couple more questions with Auburn head softball coach Mickey Dean. Coach, talking about some of these seniors in particular, uh, Aspen Godwin, Lindsey Garcia, and Carly McCondishy, uh, what is it like to coach players like this throughout an entire college career, seeing them start uh, as freshmen and, and then work their way up to being uh, in leadership roles on a team and obviously factoring into the success on the field but also just kind of being leaders in, in that clubhouse? Well, you know, I, I, uh, I'm a believer in that leaders are developed. They're, I don't know necessarily that I believe that leaders are born. I think they're developed. Um, and those four have done a really nice job of just sitting back and watching their team and, and seeing what the team needs. 
not what they need or not what they want, but more of what does the team need? What what does our teammates need? What does our program need? And they've done a really good job of that this year um, of working and paying attention to the team's needs. And I, I truly believe that's what great leadership is. And, and I know it's always easy uh, before you actually get into making that lineup and playing those games. Uh, but to this point, they've really done a nice job of being really great leaders uh, for this team. Big picture, Coach, as we look through the whole season, we, we've mentioned the schedule. It's always going to be difficult. There's always going to be great challenges and different tournaments, and, and obviously SEC play. Uh, will be difficult, but what's your overall uh, theme and message to this team as they embark on this season, Coach, and just what excites you uh, about the challenge ahead this year? Well, you know, when you're playing 56 games in a regular season uh, and then, you know, 73 games when you when you complete the season, the postseason and everything, um, you need to understand that, it's, that, that there's going to be some – adversity and our team will be and we will judge ourselves not based upon necessarily our successes but really how we handle our adversities and that's really what we want to be able to to control those those we want to control the controllables and uh it's easy when things are going well you know you just you're just rolling along. Everybody's going. Everything's good. But you're going to have some adversity when you play those many that many games. Just, you know, there's just no doubting that. And so, can we keep everybody in the boat? Can we keep everybody rowing in the same direction? And can we keep everybody rowing together? And uh, when we see somebody off sync, then that that's when we need to grab them and 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 really hold them tighter. And uh, and those are some of the things that we talk about. Coach, thanks so much for the time today. We, we look forward to this season. Uh, it's going to be a fun one, and I know we're all excited to listen to the games right here on Tiger 95.9 this season uh, and all season long. Good luck this season in War Eagle, Coach. War Eagle, thanks for having us. That's Auburn head softball coach Mickey Dean joining us on this edition of Sports Call. Call will be back after this quick break. I'm Trevon Reed, former Auburn Tiger football player, national champion. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger 
Welcome back to Sports Call. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress. A big thank you to Mickey Dean, Auburn softball head coach, for chatting us with chatting with us today on Sports Call. If you missed that conversation, check out the Sports Call podcast, which is brought to you by Coca-Cola. If you ever miss Sports Call Live or you want to hear something again, make sure you go back and listen to our show on demand wherever you get your podcast and join Ice Cold Coca-Cola to go along with the hottest sports talk, Coca-Cola Taste the Feeling. We'll also probably replay that at some point uh, on Thursday because that will be the last show before the Auburn softball season uh, starts as, as they will start in Clearwater against St. John's. I believe that is a 12-30 first pitch on Friday. I think a 12-30 and 3 o'clock doubleheader. So excited about another season of Auburn softball. This team, uh, as we talked a little bit about with Coach Dean, returns a lot of players, notable from last year. I mean, really, I think eight of the nine starters are returning. Two of the three main pitchers are returning. There is a lot returning on this team. Of course, everyone's going to be interested to see the follow-up campaign of Bree Ellis, who hit 20 home runs as a freshman last year. Uh, Finally, a couple seniors for Mickey Dean after last year's team really did not have that. I mentioned Aspen Godwin behind the plate, but then also Carly McCondishie, who is uh, one of the best players on the team, hit around 340 last year, was hit 400 for a while, uh, moved her up and down the lineup. Also, Lindsey Garcia, who played uh, outstanding defense in the outfield. I could go on and on uh, about the roster, but uh, this is a team that uh, has developed hitting-wise. The first few years of Mickey Dean, obviously, uh, were, were rough at the plate, but last year you started to see uh, some life in those bats, and, and the team uh, really got ravaged by injuries in, in the last two or three months of the year. I mean, Denver Bryant went out with a, a season-ending injury at second base. She'd been hitting over 300. Michaela Packer, who was the uh, leader in, in stolen bases for most of the year for Auburn, uh, she had hit over 300 in center field. She missed a lot of games down the stretch. Lindsey Garcia had to battle through an injury, was playing banged up. Jesse Blaine, the designated player, had had injuries. That that team got very banged up uh, in the field. Shelby Lowe had to pitch through some injuries throughout last year. She should be 100% and ready to go headed into this year. I mean, again, I, I think I've made the point clear. A lot of injuries at the end of last year that kind of disrupted the rhythm the team had. But you bring all those players back, and you have some new additions, as Coach Dean talked about, and uh, a top-20 ranking. And I think, guys, the expectations here are pretty high for this team, and I think they should be. I think this could be a really good team. Yeah, the expectations are high because, like you said, you you have a lot of veteran talent coming back, and it's one thing that they have not had lately. And and so it's good to have that. Uh, you just hope they do stay healthy, and that, that's a big thing because if they are able to stay healthy, they should make some noise. Uh it's going to be tough because, as always, the SEC is very tough in softball. Um, but they're going to get tested early on, and uh, that, that makes for great things when you get later in the season. If you can get tested early and, and then progress on, and, and that way the, the hard stuff doesn't suddenly hit when you get into conference play. But you know they're going to have great pitching. Um, they've had great pitching uh, ever since Mickey Dean got here. That's what he was renowned for uh, at James Madison before he came to Auburn, was renowned as a pitch de- pitching developer. So they've had the great pitching. They just have not been able to find the consistent hitting. Last year, you finally started seeing some of that coming around, and now you're hoping with another year of experience under their belt and then adding some more bats to it, 
they can add the offense to what is going to or what is expected to be a really good pitching group. Now you get the offense to go along with it, and they they could be a, a very good team this year. I think if you're Auburn softball, a couple things that I think you have to have goals. You know your goals for the season. You got to make it at least a few rounds into the SEC tournament. Uh, last year you got bounced in the first round by Missouri. You, you got to make you know you got to make some noise, and once you get to the postseason, the SEC tournament too. I think with the talent on this team, you got to make a super regional. I, I think that it's it's really important that you make a super regional. You made you went to the Clemson regional last year. You won one game, then got beat by Clemson, then got beat by the team you beat in the first round, Louisiana. Uh, and so you you've got to make a super regional with the, at least with this talent. And I think what you're going to see, and uh, Mickey Dean talked about it in that interview, is when you hit that midway point of the year and you go to Oklahoma City and you face a team like Oklahoma and you face uh, a team like Northwestern out there, you're really going to see if this team is for real or not. Because they're going to get tested a little bit in the in the early non-conference play and then the, the start of the, the SEC play, but that is going to be the benchmark where you're going to say, this team can compete or this team still has a little bit of work to do here in the latter half of conference play. Bats got to come alive. I think you you really got the potential with Bree Ellis uh, coming back. You've got a lot of great bats, and you know he talked about uh, Axe Milanowski coming in as a freshman. She's got a. You know, I think she can have a really big uh, spot this year. And yeah, big uh, big things hopefully to come from the Auburn softball team this year. And then I'm really excited about that midseason invitational out in OKC. Uh, they will have played half their schedule. When they meet Northwestern, who went to the College World Series last year, and Oklahoma, who is the power right now in collegiate softball, and they're going to get a look at them in OKC in a championship environment uh, midway through the season. I think that's going to be very helpful and a great measuring stick for the Tigers uh, at around the midway point. Out of time for hour number two. Again, appreciate Coach Mickey Dean for joining us there here on this Tuesday edition of Sports Call. Hour number three ahead. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after the break. Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Final hour of Sports Call here on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and Tom Peavy with you here. Again, appreciate Mickey Dean for joining us in our number two to talk a little Auburn softball as they get set uh, for another season starting Friday in Clearwater. Uh, I like that place. It's a part of the Tampa-St. Pete Clearwater area and uh, been there a time or two. Beautiful part of the country. Uh, beautiful part of the country. Very crowded beaches down there. That is A-OK. Very beautiful place. And a great backdrop for some softball. So looking forward to keeping up with this Auburn softball team all season long before we go any further though let's recap the first two hours we've already finished the first two hours of sports call today 
Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. It jumped up a notch. It did, didn't it? It's now time for the Daily Show Recap. Um, can you repeat the part of the stuff where you said all about the things? All right, Tom, you're like my designated (laughs) recap guy. The the designated go-to recapper. You you, you usually sum up the things very well. So what have we uh, we talked about? Uh, Well, we have definitely previewed tonight's game between Auburn and Texas A&M and the hoops. uh, I I say the hoops. We are a bunch of Auburn homers here. Why not? Uh, In the hopes that Auburn can get a little bit of revenge for Texas A&M coming here and putting a beat down on on Auburn. So, yeah, we've previewed quite a bit of that. Uh, we had a, uh, a great conversation with Auburn softball coach Mickey Dean previewing the Auburn softball season that is about to get ready to get underway. And uh, then we discussed some Auburn softball and uh, our expectations for the team and, and what we're hoping to see from them. So uh, been very Auburn heavy. We had retired Wardam Steve on the show, uh, as we do most days, and got to talk a lot of different things with him. So uh, that's been it. It's, been, it's pretty much been Auburn, baske- Auburn basketball and uh, Auburn softball. And then we also, I guess, discussed sort of kind of the soccer game. Wrexham, yeah. Wrexham. Yes. And, <laughs> well, you're forgetting one other four-minute little segment we had about a certain uh, establishment coming to Auburn. We did. Ta- that's right. We talked about Bucky's and how uh, this guy, <laughs> Brooks, sitting here to my left is uh, – Jeez. You could call me a Bucky's denier. Yeah, you are a Bucky's <laughs> denier. You hate the beaver. Even though, again, I'm telling you guys, he had a nice pile of things. Oh, I'm sure. It was, was good. I'm lesson. telling you. You know what I found? His snuggle buddy is a is a stuffed beaver. Do you know what I found there? And I, I, I still have the, the container at home because I'm still eating on them. Chocolate-covered sunflower seeds. Ooh, that's... I've never seen these before. Was that at Bucky's? It or? was at Bucky's. Okay. Wow, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's 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 good. I never thought about it. And then the, the cashier, when I was checking out, said, I'd never seen these before until we got them. And I said, this is a great idea because yeah. they're, you know, they're shelled sunflower seeds and they're dipped in chocolate. It's right. look, they look and it's like they're candy coated, too. So they're all different colors. Oh, so, wacky Wednesday idea when Bucky's opens. Just pour, just go get, get five everything. or six unique to Bucky's items. Yeah. To, just take the wrappers off. We could probably spend the whole show just doing the different beef jerkies that they well, have. I was gonna don't say, they have, don't yes. they have like a thousand different flavors of beef jerky? We could we, we would have to do several installments because you got thousands of beef jerky. You got all their different sandwiches that they have. Right. You've got they uh, have like a burrito taco area. <laughs> burrito taco. They've yeah. got a they've got a whole bakery in there. Yep, that you yep. could get stuff from, and then they've got their what they call beaver nuggets. The beaver nuggets, yeah, which, it's very they've, famous. I, they've got uh, they've got normal, they've got cinnamon sugar, they've got like barbecue, they've got different flavors Whoa. of beaver. So nuggets. we could just do, but we could do beaver. a whole show on just beaver nuggets. Yeah, you want to change oh, Brooks's man. mind on an establishment? Give me food. Oh, uh, we're gonna work on it. I, I, we're gonna work on it. They, they've, you know, I don't. It, Again, for for our listeners that maybe not be in this area, they are building a Bucky's about a mile, not about a mile, literally a mile, because yep. our exits are set by the mile. We are right off of exit fifty one. They're building an exit, or they're building a Bucky's on exit fifty. So a mile down the road, they <laughs> they've got they've got the Bucky's up on the side, up on the building now. So it's happening. I know that exit <laughs> existed, but let's be honest. That exit is Bucky's now once it opens. Like that, that oh, absolutely. It is, it is going to be there. The is, it's just Bucky's. You know, I mean, that, sure. that's what it's going to be known for. Um, 
but yeah, that that is coming, uh, and in a couple uh, of months, it, it, very soon. So uh, looking forward to that. I'm not going to be. I'm not as obsessed as some are on it, but I definitely saw what the hype was about, and I'll put it that way from the first ever experience over the weekend. Uh, ran across this um, from a couple of people that uh, keep track of referees. This is a complete uh, change of pace here. But referees have been obviously a, a large talk. They always are, but especially after the end of the Auburn-Tennessee game. And Ken Palm, who obviously does these advanced metrics and that sort of thing, also ranks officials. Do I know how they do that? No, I do not. I, that seems pretty... Uh, subjective too so i i don't know exactly how they, they they rank them but they were talking about some of the busy schedules of some of these top referees and their top rated referee in kim palm for 2023 is keith kimball uh keith kimball i'm gonna read you his schedule over the last month or so sit tight it's gonna take a while because <laughs> what i'm i'm trying to expound upon to you is again hammering home the emphasis that these referees are not specific to one conference. So here is Keith Kimball's schedule since Monday, January 9th. And I want you to hear the vast amount of places he's been, but I also want to amount, I want you to hear all the conferences and all the scales of teams from big to small teams. So here we go. Monday, January 9th, this is the top-rated official according to Ken Palm. Keith Kimball's schedule. Monday, January 9th, Southern and Bethune-Cookman. In Louisiana. Banger. The next day, Kansas and Oklahoma. The next day, Alabama and Arkansas. Quite different. The next day, Iowa and Michigan. The next day, still no days off, Illinois, Michigan State. He's racking up the frequent flyer miles. Yeah. The next day, back to the Big 12, Baylor, Oklahoma State. Finally got a day off. We rest on Sundays. (laughs) And then Monday, Miami and Syracuse and Coral Gables. From Coral Gables the next night out to Logan, Utah for Utah State and UNLV. Then to Berkeley for Oregon and Cal. Stays on the West Coast for a little while. He's got UCLA and Arizona State. Gets a day off Friday. Goes to Utah, Washington. Then gets Colorado, Washington State. From Boulder on Sunday to Blacksburg on Monday. Virginia Tech and Duke. And then from Virginia Tech, Duke to Iowa State, Kansas State on Tuesday, January 24th into the SEC for South Carolina and Florida from Gainesville. On Thursday, he had Purdue, Michigan. Saturday, SEC Big 12 Challenge, Baylor, Arkansas. Then Iowa and Rutgers. Then back to the SWAC for Alcorn State and Grambling State. Then TCU, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, Michigan, Northwestern, up to the A-10 on Friday, February 3rd for Virginia Commonwealth at St. Louis. And, or, uh, and so that one was in uh, Missouri. And then Saturday to Clemson, South Carolina for Miami and Clemson. And then Sunday to Lincoln, Nebraska for Nebraska and Penn State. So ACC, Big 12, Big 10, Pac-12, SEC, SWAC, Atlantic 10, Mountain West, all in the last 30 days for Keith Kimball. It's a lot of movement. Jeez. So... He has officiated games in 10 straight days and has refed, get a load of this, Keith Kimball has refed 73 games already in this basketball season. I got one more for you. 
a, li- a little bit of a, uh, a lesser uh, involved schedule. But Roger Ayers. Roger Ayers is a name I think a lot of people are familiar with. In the last seven days, this was last night, as of February 6th, in the last seven days from January 31st, February 6th, Virginia Tech, Miami, Villanova, Marquette, Michigan Northwestern, off, Carolina Duke, off, Texas, Kansas. But in seven days, that's Miami to Milwaukee to Evanston to Durham to Lawrence. 3,678 miles traveled in one week for Roger Ayers. So... Well, so then you got to – it begs the question, by the time you get to that fourth game, that dude's got to be so daggum exhausted. Sleepy. He's not even seeing straight. <laughs> That's why they're blind. So, <laughs> he's literally not seeing straight. I mean, but th- but isn't it. that something else, though, that that already dictates there's not a surplus of referees. If, right. Again, going back – well, travel of Roger Ayers, but also going back to Keith Kimball, look, the dude is apparently great. He's rated number one by Ken Palm's metrics. But, again, the stretch of going from Baylor, Arkansas to Iowa Rutgers. Okay, so we had SEC Big 12 Challenge and a Big 10 game. Then the SWAC for Alcorn State and Grambling. And then back to the Big 12 for a couple. Then back to the Big 10, only to do then an a, a, A10, then an ACC, then a Big 10. I mean, j- <laughs> all the conferences there, big and small. And so, again, it is not the conference here that is to be blamed for the majority of these things. Now, maybe the replay, I I think, Brooks, you're right. I I do think it is uh, replay that's kind of initiated by the conferences or or there's replay officials are left up to each conference. But these refs are going to Timbuktu and back. And, And, again, you're not just because you do some big conferences – Again, no disrespect to the SWAC or, or even out to the Mountain West or something. Keith Kimball goes from ACC and Big Ten and Big 12 games to doing a Grambling State game and then going out and doing a UNLV game. So it's not even – it's in his case, it's not even geographically specific. It's not even one part of the country. Uh, so, I, I mean, again, that, that goes into the problem that it's just like – it's not going to ever be perfect, and there's a lot of reasons why it's never ever going to be perfect. But uh, these guys are traveling all over the country. They're all in different conferences. It's not just one conference that feels slighted by officials. They're all working all these conferences, and there's, there's just going to be issues when you're doing all that travel. Uh, you brought a good point, Tom. You're traveling 3,600 miles in six or seven days. Uh, are you sleep. are you as sharp right. as you could be on the on the trail end of that? And in the case of Keith Kimball, he worked ten straight nights. You yeah. there's not a lot of jobs you're gonna be sharp at. If you do it ten straight times. A lot of five hour energy popped there. Yeah, tell me about it. A lot a lot of crowds to deal with. A lot of people in your ear. So very interesting data right there to illustrate. I think that I think what jogged my memory here is Brooks. You were saying Pat Adams is on the call, yeah, tonight, and that's via Justin Ferguson. Pat Adams has not been a uh, a, uh, a big uh, big love of Auburn people here lately, but it, it truly is all over the place. And just wanted to uh, again relay that info of how wild some of this travel and 
and all that stuff is. We need to take our first time out of hour number three. Start to wrap up the program in just a few minutes and also final preview of Auburn and Texas A&M coming up in College Station tonight. Stay tuned. More Sports Call after this timeout. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. I'm Deshaun Davis, former Auburn Tigers football player and all-SEC linebacker. You're listening to Sports Call on Tiger Welcome back to Sports Call on this Tuesday. Ryan LaVoy, Tom Peavy, Brooks Childress with you. Brooks watching food commercials excitingly. You see, the thing about it is is Pizza Hut is not my preferred yep. uh, fast, you know, fast casual fast food pizza. But that big New Yorker that looks good. That big New Yorker looks really good. They make it look really good on yeah. TV. And those melts that they have, that's like a calzone kind of deal. They right. look, those look good. I haven't yet to try that yet. Yeah. Pizza Hut's great marketers because they do that big dinner box. It always looks great, and then I eat it, and I'm just disappointed every single time. So I kind of stay away from Pizza Hut, but they do market their stuff very well. Um, Just a few minutes left before uh, Brad Law, Andy Bertram, and company get on the um, pregame show for Auburn men's basketball as they go to Texas A&M. You can hear that right over on FM Talk 93.9 in seven or eight minutes. Of course, tip off right after six o'clock. Uh, so, this will be our last segment or so. We'll be still got about 15, 20 minutes left, but uh, we'll go ahead and, and get into our final predictions of Auburn, Texas AM. Also, look ahead uh, to all these SEC games here tonight. There are four more SEC games on the docket for tonight. But again, going over this Auburn and AM matchup, Auburn 17 and 6. On the season, they are seven and three in the SEC. A and M is sixteen and seven, eight and two in the SEC. And A and M's only lost at home once. The same boat that Auburn's in, being eleven and one at home. And and so this this game is very significant. A and M, the A and M's home loss, by the way, um, still looking for. I believe it was Wofford uh, randomly in December, so they've not lost the home SEC game. Going to be a tough one for Auburn tonight. Uh, I, I know Jalen Williams in uh, media availability yesterday mentioned Hen- Henry Coleman as someone playing better as of late. Obviously, everyone aware of Tyrese Radford and his ability after the 30-point game. Uh, and a big test because I, I know that Auburn did a really good job against Tennessee, and they 
uh, beat a Georgia team handily using a lot of offense. But this is another crack at uh, trying to prevent a go-to player, go-to scorer from putting up a big number against them. Obviously, no one put up a big number against them against Tennessee. But also Tennessee, if you looked at their team statistics, a little bit of a low-scoring team. And then also very balanced scoring. Didn't have, even though we all know the name Santiago uh, Vescovi and Josiah Jordan-James and all that. It's just a difficulty how to pronounce it sometimes. Vescovy, Vescovy. Yeah. yeah, it is officially Vescovy. Uh, can confirm that is absolutely what was said in Thompson Bowling. I swear his first couple names, though, he was Vescovy. First couple years, rather, he was uh, Vescovy, but it is Vescovy, just to be clear. Um, but that team was a very balanced team. And not that a can't be balanced, but Radford – can clearly go off in a way that's a little bit different than some. So this is a big test tonight for Auburn and their ability to uh, guard a guard that has a ability to score. Radford's still been in double figures the last three games since the Auburn game. There's just not been any 20-plus point games, a couple inefficient nights, uh, an efficient game against Georgia, though. So I'll be really interested to see uh, how they deal with Radford and if Auburn can get a better start defensively in this game. Uh, well, Hopefully uh, the uh, warm-ups are a sign of things to come. According to Justin Ferguson, Katie Johnson just hit a half-court shot and immediately clowned Wendell Green for not making his. So there you go. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I don't feel good about it for Auburn. Um, I, mainly the things that I have just been, I've been saying all along about this team, they just don't have a consistent offensive threat. Uh, and that concerns me. Uh, that really concerns me any time they're on the road in an unfamiliar, unfamiliar environment and in uh, what is an unfamiliar backdrop of shooting and things like that. I think they have the defensive prowess to keep it close, but, you know, I, did you, there's just nobody that they have that can be the consistent scorer uh, in a big way. Uh, we've seen spurts here. We've seen Jalen have some great games. Um, KD has started having some great games. We know Janai Broom can be a dominant force on the inside, but it's that lack of consistency. And that's what concerns me with this team is just that lack of consistency. Uh, you know, my prediction is that Auburn keeps this one close for a little bit, but then I think uh, – I'm not going to say Texas A&M is going to blow Auburn out like they did here because uh, I just think Auburn had learned their lessons defensively from what happened here, and I think they're going to make the adjustments that they need there. So – um, I, I don't think it's going to be an, a lopsided blowout like A&M had here. I think Auburn will still be able to keep it relatively close. But uh, I'm not very confident that Auburn comes away with win. Just They're not playing very good brand of basketball right now, and, and wins on the road are really tough to come by anyway. Even when you're playing some of the best basketball you can, wins on the road are tough to come by. But you know when you're just not playing a very good brand of basketball and you go on the road, it's, it's even tougher to come away with wins. So, Got to go with A&M on this one. A&M's a three-point favorite coming into this one. Um, ESPN uh, matchup predictor on their on, on their GameCast website has a 68.4% chance of a Texas A&M win. I think I, – I, I like Auburn's chances in this game. I think you go down there – I know Texas A&M's only lost one game at home this year. They're 11-1 at home. Um Texas A&M's playing really good basketball right now. Something just, you know, something inside of me says that, you know, that that game against Tennessee, you, the way you lost that game is it put a little fire into the the uh, Auburn players. 
uh, I I think that they can get get it done. I think you can hit some shots. And like I said earlier, if you can get some good guard play tonight from the Tigers, I think that could go a really long way against the the physicality of Texas A and M. Um, and yeah, it's uh, I, I I like Auburn's chances. I think Janai Broom needs to have a big game as well for the Tigers. Uh, I you know it 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 feels like I you know if if you told me to make you know lock it in, I'd say Texas A&M wins by two. But I think there's a chance. I think there's a, there's a good chance that Auburn goes down there, plays really good basketball, and comes away with the win. I think it's gonna be a close win. I don't think either of these teams are blowing the other the other one out of the water. Uh, but I, I think Auburn could get a, could possibly go down there and get an upset win on the road. And then don't want to forget about Wade Taylor, who for Texas A&M averaging nearly 15 points a game. He is technically still their leading scorer, even though Radford has been, av- as of late, Taylor averaging 14.6 points a game to Radford's 13.8. I was also impressive about Taylor, 84% from the foul line. Uh, both of those guys at least 34% from three. A&M as a team, 318 from three. Uh, not an incredibly great three-point shooting team, but but still better than Auburn, still better than uh, the most of the SEC. And so big one in College Station, as you said, three-point favorite for West Virginia. And I kind of think that A&M is going to be um, – I think they're going to be able to – Keep Auburn at bay. I, I don't see Auburn stringing together the amount of offense you need on the road. They did at West Virginia. They they in the second half they had that forty eight or forty nine point second half, and it was as good as the offense looked. But I, I just don't see that against Texas A and M against the Texas A and M team that has had Auburn's number, and everyone's very aware of it. We're also going to have to check, and Wardam Steve brought this up earlier in the show. I hope someone is on top of seeing if Buzz Williams is able just to watch Bruce Pearl call offense again all night and set defense based off of that. That would help tremendously if the other team does not know exactly what you're running the whole time. So that that easily contributed to the first game. So if that doesn't happen, that does give Auburn a pathway to better offense. But – this is this is just in the middle of a tough stretch for Auburn. We we talked about it was coming. It's here. Just played Tennessee. Now they're at A and M. We haven't talked much about it yet, but College Game Day coming to the Plains this weekend for the Alabama game. Then Auburn plays a Missouri team at home that's still very capable. Uh, get a little bit of a break finally at Vanderbilt and host Ole Miss before you finish at Kentucky, uh, at Alabama and host Tennessee. So good good luck at the end of that too. So. Got to find one or two of these tough ones at some point. Uh, I do think it's a close game, but, again, I'm just worried that Auburn's not going to be able to string enough offense together on the road to be able to get this done. Let's look at now at the other SEC games tonight. Haven't done this in a while. Uh, Kind of a mass slate for the most part, although there is four games but you're starting to see some of the bottom feeders in the league involved tonight and, and clearly demonstrate themselves the other three games in the SEC. 14-9 Georgia hosting Ole Miss. I'm going to have to have some clarity on why Ole Miss is favored in this one. I don't know if you guys are seeing that as well. But Georgia, uh, Georgia being at home and Ole Miss favored by two. 17-6 Missouri hosting lowly 8-15 South Carolina. But then the the really intriguing one after Auburn's matchup, eight o'clock tonight, sixteen and seven Arkansas goes to Rump Arena to play sixteen and seven Kentucky. Both these teams playing better 
as of late. Talked about Kentucky winning six straight games in the SEC, and Arkansas starting to go on a run pretty similar. They won four in a row now in the SEC after they had a string of losses to Alabama, Vanderbilt, and Missouri. So they've, they've won four in a row in the SEC. Their only loss during this stretch was a, a close one at number 17, Baylor, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge, where they took Baylor down to the wire. So the Razorbacks playing a little bit better. Also, the Wildcats obviously playing a little bit better, Tom. So uh, safe to say this is the other uh, quality matchup in the SEC right. tonight, despite not having any ranked teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just going to be interested to see how all this shakes out. Uh, I, I mean, really, the league has just been weird. I mean, it's been it's been hard to get a pulse on on much of any of this. On, I mean, goodness gracious, we we've seen some stupid upsets, and uh, and you know we saw an ADM team come into Auburn and and get a win, which we didn't think we'd see. Uh, not at least not out of them. I thought maybe Tennessee or Alabama potentially. I don't think we thought A and M could do it, but you know, you saw South Carolina beat Kentucky. Uh, it's just this this league it's is the sport too. I well, mean, it's, it's the sport. sport. It's the sport, but it's also the league right now. Um, and what two two teams in the top twenty five? I mean, there's a reason. Right. I mean, they're all beating up on each other, and yeah, you just never really know what's going to happen. So yeah, that that right there is reason to say yeah, Auburn has a chance in this game because crazy things have happened this year. But just, I, I'm I'm concerned about the lack of offense. And then, you know, some of these other games, like I said, you, as soon as you think you've got a pulse on what may happen, something crazy transpires and, yes, yeah, you just never really know. Yeah, so ranked matchups t- uh, tonight in college basketball, transitioning to this, because this caught my eye. There's four games involving ranked teams tonight. They're all ranked. All, four, all eight teams playing in, against ranked teams here tonight. So, number 21, UConn, hosting number 10, Marquette. Number 24, Rutgers, which we've had comments on in the past against number 18, Indiana. Number 22, NC State at number 8, Virginia. And number 17, TCU at number 12, Kansas State. And I start to start to look at some of these other teams because let's kind of start doing the math here. Let's look NCAA tournament. Auburn's still good for now. Cannot afford a multi-game le- losing streak. If they lose to both Texas A&M, and to Alabama, even though those losses are understandable in the scheme of things, you got to find a quality win at some point. So that's going to start to set them back towards the bubble. Right now, Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology, Auburn is an eight seed playing in Birmingham, by the way, against nine-seeded North Carolina. Uh, that is a game I'll just, as you guys know my rooting interest, I do not want to see happen. If that game does happen, I won't be here. I'm not going to host the show that day. I will just tell you that right now. Sorry, guys. Not trying to hang anyone out to dry. Auburn plays Carolina and Birmingham. I, I'm going to be there. But uh, nevertheless, Auburn as an eight seed, they that's that tweener range because about – okay, so eight – let's do some math. Eight times four is 32. Okay, your top 32 team if you're an eight seed. Nine times four is 36. Okay. The 10 seeds start to become the bubble teams. So Auburn is only five or six teams away from being a certified bubble team. And even though Texas A&M and Alabama are worthy adversaries and going to be difficult games, you lose them both, you're not getting better in in the bracketology. So 
That's interesting. And, and if you're talking about an Auburn team that would like to still at least win a game in the NCAA tournament, you start to think about what you might have to do in the round of 32, and I know a long way to go before you get there. But if you're in that 8-9 game, you're playing a one seed in the round of 32. Or even if you're in the 7-10 game, which seems, you know, I don't know if Auburn's going to have the, the muster to get much above 7 if they can't win anything on the road of substance, then you're going to play a two seed. You, you might play a team like Marquette that's number 10 in the country if Marquette gets going. You might play a team like Virginia, who's the number eight team in the country right now. So starting to do a little advanced eyeballing of other teams in the country right now. Uh, I, there, there are some rules that would prevent you know Auburn from playing someone like Tennessee, who would also be a two-seed right now. But I don't know. The bracketology is interesting. Uh, it's always something that a lot of people uh, obsess over. Yeah. I certainly talk a lot about it. Uh, now, let me okay. Let me give you this hypothetical, and then we'll do a nightly TV guy, and we'll get out of here. So, I could tell you, Auburn's going to be in the eight-nine game, and they're going to be in Birmingham. Well, that's a fifty-fifty matchup, and then they'd have to play a one seed in the round of thirty-two. Very difficult path out of the first weekend. Yeah. But they get to play in Birmingham, that sort of thing. You can either have that or you can have Auburn get pretty hot here and get up to like a five seed to where they're top 25 team, they'll play like a 12 seed in the first round and then play someone very evenly ranked with them in the second round as opposed to evenly in the first round. But it's not going to be in Birmingham. So would you prefer Birmingham in the 8-9 matchup, or an improved February that gets you up to a 5 seed, but you have to go out in the West Coast somewhere. You have to go right. play that 5-12 out in Colorado or something. Uh, I mean, honestly, I, I would prefer the hot streak just because you want to go into the tournament on a hot streak. You don't want to go into the tournament scuffling your feet and trying to find your way. You need to go in on a hot streak. Um, that's what happened when Auburn uh, – made their final four run in fact uh, i saw somebody point out that uh before auburn, when auburn went on that run to the final four that was they dropped out of the top 25 after getting beat by kentucky fell out of the top 25 and that like lit a fire up under their butt and they took off now this team is not like that team uh even remotely but you see what can happen when you get hot that team got scorching hot down the stretch and that's what you want as you get into the postseason play, you don't want to be still trying to figure out why can't we find somebody that can score? Why can't why don't we have a shooter? Why you know we you can't be having all that. You've got to be hot when you go into postseason. I don't care if that means that you have to go out to California. You have to be on a hot streak when you get to postseason play. I think that's the most important thing than than you know kind of scuffling around and okay, well we get to go play in Birmingham. Well that's great, but. You don't know about your team. You don't have confidence in your team. The team doesn't have confidence in themselves. So going to Birmingham don't mean a whole lot when you don't have the confidence. But if you get on a hot streak and get in postseason play, then watch out. I'm on the same uh, same boat as it's Tom. Is I, I think you get on. A, uh, you'd prefer to get on a hot streak, go into the into the um, tournament with, with a better seed. Uh, you get to play a team that's you know lower down. If you're you know a higher seat up, you you get to play a team that's lower down to have a better chance of 
uh, continue that hot streak, building you know into the tournament. I'm you know, same same line of thinking. They went you know, Auburn the year they won the Final Four, went in on a on a bit of a streak and carried that all the way to the well, probably you know really should have carried it all the way to the national title game had it not been for a a call that wasn't made. Uh, but yeah, I don't you know I don't care if you know I, I wouldn't care where Auburn played if that was in Birmingham or if it was in California or if it was in Spokane, Washington. I you know wherever if if you, I, I like the higher seed rather than uh, than go you know being closer to home because you know it, it's it would it'd be great to have kind of a home crowd advantage, but if you're not playing good basketball, we saw it the other you know couple we saw it when we were talking about it. Uh, earlier today they didn't play good basketball that first half against Texas A&M in Neville Arena where everybody except for maybe a handful of fans were rooting for Auburn and you lost the game and so if you've got the majority home crowd in Birmingham and you're not playing good basketball it's not gonna matter as much as if you are playing really good basketball and it's more of a neutral crowd yeah the only reason I ask because it feels like a no-brainer and I'm just gonna be a contrarian here okay I knew you were going to do that. I, I've, ju- I, I've got – well, you know, this is sports talk, and sports talk is best when we debate a little bit. I I agree on the on the hot part, okay? Auburn, their Final Four team got hot at the very right time, right as the season ended, won the SEC tournament, got hot. And so I think that that is the path that is wisest. But let me say this. You've not had an NCAA tournament in Birmingham – or regional games in a while, I believe over a decade. I think it's in two thousands, like five, six, seven, somewhere in there. See, I can't remember it um, since you've been in Birmingham, and the crowd you're gonna have in Birmingham. I, there's a couple exceptions if you get the big, big name brand, like if you got uh, I got UNC. Well, but but see, here's the thing: unless you actually play Carolina in the eight eight nine game. I was thinking one seeds because oh, okay. I'm thinking this. Not only would you have the advantage in theory in the first round, you're going to have a pretty close to a home environment playing that one seeded team. Okay, and it's not going to be Alabama because again, the way the NCAA tournament structures it, you, Auburn and Alabama will not be able to meet to at least the Elite Eight, maybe the Final Four even. Right. But if you're looking at it, is Purdue going to really have a crowd that goes over Auburn? Is Houston going to bring a crowd? That's going to be overriding the city of Birmingham and knowing that there's tens of thousands of people in the city that are Auburn right. fans. I think Purdue so, would more than Houston. Sure, but even still, you're playing in the state that so, th- it that this state resides. I think right. you're going to have a predominantly Auburn crowd. Well, yeah, Purdue and, is still not a Kansas or a Duke crowd. Right, that's what well, I'm yeah, saying. Yeah. Like, if you avoid, and, and I don't know who else it'd be because I was thinking the name brands like Kansas, Duke, Carolina, Kentucky, Kentucky. None of those teams. I mean, Kansas could be a two seed. I mean, there's, I guess there's still an outside shot they could be a one if they have a big February. But Carolina and Duke are going to be nowhere near the one line. It'd be more likely Auburn play them in the first round, as evidenced by Joe Lenardi's bracket. So I'm just saying, what is a home-ish environment worth in the NCAA tournament when not many teams get to have that, especially? not many teams that are not a one seed. Like the one seed gets to kind of go, Kansas gets to go play in Kansas City for the for the regional final. And usually there's something in Greensboro or something. So if Carolina or Duke are, are a one seed, they, they get that regional and that sort of thing. But there's not a lot of instances if you go down the bracket. And maybe Lenardi's full of crap, and maybe that's not something the tournament committee would do. They would, right. they would see that Auburn plays in the state of Alabama, not let them go to Birmingham for that reason. But – 
just of food for thought there of, okay, if Auburn's a vastly better home team than road team, is it more about the, the actual gym and the goal? Or is it more about the people around the gym and the goal? And if it's about the latter, it might help Auburn make a surprise run even out of a lower seed. Just food for thought there. Yeah. Little, 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 uh, little debate there to end our program today. Uh, just a minute or two left. Time for the nightly TV guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's nightly TV guide. And let me just also add, in no way am I going to root for Auburn to not win games down the stretch so that they are right. an 8 or 9 seed. The, the, the preference is for Auburn to win basketball games, but just maybe a silver lining for being a lower seed if they do end up in Birmingham. Brooks, nightly TV guy, what do we got, sir? Yeah, so uh, no no movies, no TV shows, nothing except for sports tonight. There's a lot of basketball. All about ball. A lot of basketball tonight, so we're going to start you out in the college basketball world. 6 o'clock ESPN, North Carolina, looking to bounce back from the loss to Duke over the weekend as they take on another in-state foe, this time on the road at Wake Forest. Good, uh, good basketball matchup there, 6 o'clock ESPN. 6 o'clock ESPN 2, we talked about it a lot today. The Auburn Tigers visit the Texas A&M Fighting Texas Aggies. Uh, that is 6 o'clock ESPN 2. Also listen to it on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9. 6 o'clock ESPN U, another North Carolina school. UNC Greensboro hosts East Tennessee State. So some mid-major basketball there. Then 7.30 FS1, St. John's visits Butler. 8 o'clock ESPN, Arkansas visits Kentucky. 8 o'clock ESPN 2, Maryland visits Michigan State. A good Big Ten matchup there. And then 8 o'clock on ESPN UTCU visits Kansas State. And then wrapping up your college basketball evening at 9.30 on FS1 Nevada visits New Mexico. And then you've also got two in the NBA tonight on TNT at 6.30. The Hawks visit the Pelicans. Fun matchup, fun regional matchup. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of Hawks and Pelicans fans in the area. And then 9 o'clock tonight, the late night tip. The Minnesota Timberwolves visit the Denver Nuggets on TNT. And that is a look at your TV guide brought to you by our friends over at White Claw. Thank Battle you. of the Birds. Battle of the Birds. Pelicans and the Hawks. I saw somewhere, and this was true when the Hawks were 26 and 26. I don't know if it's still true, but it was like the Hawks were 27. Or they were, they were, they were had 500 records, same record at home and away, same amount of points scored as given wow. up. It was it was crazy. I don't know if that's still true in the in the last few days, but they were they are as middle of the pack <laughs> as, as, as it gets. Uh, thank you very much, Brooks, for that, and thank you for being here today, sir. Absolutely. And, Tom, thank you for being here as well. We'll Absolutely. see you tomorrow. Absolutely. I'll be here. And uh, we thank the Auburn head softball coach, Mickey Dean, for uh, joining the program today as well. For Tom Peavy and Brooks Childress, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Hope everyone has a great Tuesday night. Enjoy Auburn basketball, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.